the movies, all those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything more. Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 311, like that band. Yeah! Wanna go to the beach? That's a 311 song, right? That was great, man. Wow, what a reproduction. It is as if 311 was in the room with us. To the beach. Is it a ska band? Uh, you know. That's that's what I'm hearing. a little scatting and like sort of... Good vibrations-y stuff. Oh, I no. have no idea what they sound like. No. <laughs> I just remember their sticker on people's cars. All over people's cars. Yep. People's I'm car. VP and Executive Editor Ryan Panagos, <laughs> a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Marvel Editorial Director of Digital Media, Ben Morse, joined by... Assistant Editor Tucker Marcus. Yeah. And this is the 311 Podcast, where we talk about all things 311. <laughs> 311. Including the... the the, the songs and the people who make... I, the musicians? Know. We sure. covered the band. We covered the stickers. And that's all for this week, <laughs> folks. We'll see you next week. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's all for this week in 311. But let's go on to this week in Marvel. Ooh, Ooh. that even that sounds way better. Yeah. Uh, so in this podcast... I, I would like it if we did, did like a backdoor pilot for our new 311 <laughs> podcast out of this podcast. Yep. Yeah, it would be tremendous. Uh, if you're just joining us on This Week of Marvel, we're going to talk about all the new comics out this week, from print issues to digital collections and singles. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about news, recapping yeah. some other stuff. We're going to have a Mayor Fisk Summit for news today. Mm. I've got writer Charles Soule from Daredevil, uh, editor Nick Lowe, and editor Christina Harrington. We're going to be talking all about Mayor Fisk, the upcoming storyline in Daredevil, and how it affects the rest of the Marvel Universe. Nice. Ooh. I'm excited for that. Uh, we're on a regular questions and comments week, I think. We are. Uh, yeah, I want to... Nope. This says Twim URC. Nope, it's both. Great. We're good. Keep going. <laughs> no, I wanted to... Um, we were supposed to have a Twim URC this week. Yeah. Uh, what happened is Christine and Eric had some scheduling snafus. Uh, by so, way of having too many things going on in their lives. Way too many things going on in their lives. So they asked if they could have another week. We, being the magnanimous sorts that we are, obliged them. And they will be uh, they will be coming at you with the death of Gene DeWolf next week. Got it. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So what's been going on last week? We had New York <sighs> Comic Con. Hopefully, everybody had a chance to listen to your 800 podcasts yes. that you dropped. Oh, man. We dropped so many podcasts. And uh, it was really fun doing them all. Yeah. I, I enjoyed having uh, Tucker on with yeah. me and Eric and Christine. And we got some really good ones. I, I really – we got some good ones, especially like the last day. Yeah, and we talked to uh, Gabby Rivera. Mm -hmm. That was a really interesting one. She's local, and I asked her to come in and oh, nice. do some stuff with us. Heck yeah. Um, Donnie Cates was really good. Yeah, I love Donnie. He's going to be a star. Mm. Um, some Just some really good stuff. And I loved – I know I've already told both of you guys this, but I loved going down to Artist Alley and getting kind of those <laughs> random podcasts from uh, Peter David and Eric Larson and Chris Eliopoulos and Declan Shelby. Nice. So that was fun. Yeah. But, yeah, please, if you haven't already, uh, listen to all the podcasts. It's just like being there. Yep. Um, how long did you – you stayed for a little while at the the party, the yep. Marvel party at New York Comic Con. I was, I was there briefly. Yeah. We met Nathan it was Tucker, Stockman. It was Tucker's birthday. 
Oh, happy birthday, That's Tucker. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, we met Nathan Stockman for the first time. In yeah, person. that was cool. Talked to Erica Henderson for a little while. Met Jeremy Whitley. Jeremy Whitley. Yeah, he yeah, was there. You to him. He was on my House of Ideas panel. Oh, cool. Uh, House of Ideas panel, which I think is we're going to try and do regularly. We play thwip games. I know. With yeah, the audience. Great. Right. Uh, Lorraine was there. Which Excellent. Made it doable. <laughs> and uh, we did a superhero charade. So I had me, Niccolo... Jeremy Whitley and Alana Smith uh, doing superhero charades with Amazing. the crowd for prizes. One of the best moments was Nick Lowe struggling, really struggling to do Miss Marvel, mm, <laughs> and then just that is a just hard kind of, one. It's a really hard one, and it just I was kind of sitting close to the to the stage and just kind of hearing Nick half say to himself, half to like the audience, like these. Are my hands getting bigger? <laughs> was a great moment. Yeah. I was just thinking to myself, I was like, oh, but it's so obvious how yeah, you do it. You just make your hands bigger. And then I'm like, Ben, you can't make your <laughs> hands bigger. Physically that's, impossible. That's stupid, dummy. Uh, I, stupid, I dummy. I do want to mention one thing. Ben, it's all right. Sorry. Okay. It's okay. I, I do want to mention one thing for uh, those who have followed along with my, some would call it a love, maybe. For the one, the only, CZ, writer of Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man, Chip Zdarsky. I was at the Marvel party. I, it was my first Marvel, Marvel party that I've ever been to. Yep. I enjoyed it immensely. Nick Lowe, the champion that he is, came over and said, Tucker, my dear boy, who would you like to meet? And I was just going to pass and be polite and say, oh, no, 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 I don't want to bother anyone. Christine Din, the uh, great friend that she is having just met her for the first time at Comic-Con, said, Chip! And so he brought me over to Chip, and I had a nice chat with him. And, uh, well, folks, I would like to announce my retirement. Uh, uh, that's it. I'm going I'm going to go live on, on a beach uh, in a bungalow. And uh, So this is your retirement from telling long-winded stories? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's from... It's, could have used that retirement a few minutes ago. Hey-o. Hello. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> uh, Chip was great, though, right? Yeah. Of course. We did a great interview with Chip on the uh, the Marvel live stream. Live stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he ended it by saying, "Bing me." Which <laughs> everybody got a kick out of. And yeah. We we didn't get too sexual in that interview, which is great. That's like, that's an accomplishment. You, just, you know, sort of veer off into mm-hmm. into some territory. Yep, mm-hmm. that's that's where he likes like to live. Literally any interview, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was great. Uh, yeah, New York Comic Con was was wonderful. There's lots of stuff, lots of content. If you guys missed it on the hub, which is marvel.com/slash/nycc2017, as well as you did, you have recaps aplenty. Mm-hmm, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't, you should be following. You should. Go through and read at Marvel Live on Twitter. Yep. Recapping all the panels. Every panel. Mm-hmm. We were there. Yeah. I really want to watch the Jack Kirby panel because mm. I missed that. Yep. Totally. Tucker and I were there. Yep. And the uh the Tanahasi Coates and Jason Ryan. That yeah. one that one's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I really not that Jack Kirby isn't. Jack Kirby was a great panel too, but I really enjoyed the Tanahasi Jason Reynolds panel. That yeah. was the first one of the weekend that I went to. Uh it was a great way to start. Tanahasi is just so charismatic and mm-hmm. lovable and Jason Reynolds is the same and they're just they speak so intelligently about comics books everything they're just two genius level dudes yeah. having mm-hmm. a good old talk so yeah I recommend checking that out yep uh, and those are going to be up on Marvel YouTube and Marvel.com to, to catch those up so much more it's been a humdinger of a 
of a week. Yeah. The the premiere for Marvel Studios Thor Ragnarok happened. Red carpet. Red carpet. Lorraine Sink and Tamara Krinsky were there. Redheads on the red carpet. Yep. Uh, I saw a photo of our own Eric Goldman mm. with the headset. Yep. Yeah. In, in yeah. full, like, so yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was this awesome. was his first red carpet. For us. For working it for us, yeah. Sure. I mean, he's done. He's, he's a red carpet kind of sore. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it seemed like he went it went well. Seemed to. Christine has the flu, apparently. Yeah, but uh, she's still working. Of course she is. Oh, That's just who she is. That's, that's how she works. Whereas I took three days off right. to <laughs> play uh, the new Middle Earth Shadow of War game. Is it good? It is so beautiful. Did you beat awesome. it yet? No. I'm taking my time with it. <laughs> working it slow. No, no, no. I am going through and murdering all the orcs yeah. okay, over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know who I was telling. I think I was telling Alex Lopez that there's this thing in the game where if you you kill an orc, you know, there's this whole system. Sometimes they kill you oh, and no. you get brought back, okay. and the per- the one that killed you gets more pa- more mm-hmm. powerful. Oh, wow. uh, right. So I got killed by this one who had like kind of Wolverine type claws. Mm-hmm. He had these little, like, Bleh. and he killed me. I came back. He was more powerful. I killed him, uh, or I cut off his arm and killed him. He came back to life. No. I had killed him again. He came back again. I killed yeah. him. He came back again. Wow. I killed him. The final time I killed him, I cut him in half. Wow. There's a lot of violence in that game, wow. but it's mm. fun. Are you an orc? No. You are, yeah. you are an, you a, a, a ranger. Who is brought back to life and then is sort of not fused with, but teamed up with the spirit of an elf, okay. uh, the elf who created the sure. One Ring, uh, Celebrimbor. Oh, I like this. Yeah, if you've read like uh, the Silmarillion and, and some of the classic Tolkien stuff, it's like have juicy. Have you? Yeah, Maggie's nodding. Maggie, we're talking to Maggie, our intern. Yeah, job. yeah. <laughs> so it pulls in stuff from like classic Tolkien. Uh, it's it's great. It's a delight. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, boy, we should probably talk about some comics. I guess. All right, fine. Let's get into it. First up this week, I guess I'll go. I've got Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, number 12. Written by Ryan Stegman. Mm -hmm. Art by Brian Level. Colors by Jesus Arbutov. And, I, you know, this has been a really fun 12-issue arc we're seeing um, you know, the, the, this family come together and we've, they've gone through so much. We've had the X-Men show up. We've had, um, uh, uh, the Venom symbiote attached to Mary Jane. And we've seen, uh, Annie Mae sort of part of this whole thing. And, you know, it's been a, a fun, cool ride, but, uh, Normie has unleashed a giant, like goblin like a robot. Goblin yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. And it's massive and it adapts because it has regent tech. Mm. And so it takes, it steals and adapts powers. So it's taking like Spider-Man's powers. The X-Men show up to help out and it takes the X-Men's powers. Cool. It's it's great. Uh, there's all this stuff. But, you know, the heart of all this is the heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, where you've got Annie Mae and the family side of things. And then you've got Normie and his mom and... Sort of Liz. Liz, these two families kind of at war, but then there's this, they, they come together in this issue. And it, I would say there's a twist. There is a twist. <laughs> uh, but it, it's also that the twist comes right. Are you talking about the ending? No, I'm talking about 
who's really responsible for the goblin mech. That is a right. That is a twist. The person responsible in driving the goblin yes. mech uh, is definitely a twist, but it, it's cool. And I I really like that at the heart of all this, you've got the two kids who they're like, what is that? The ratchets and the clanks? No, the 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 two warring cowboy families. What? You know, yeah, yeah the yeah, Clampets yeah. and the yeah, yeah, and yeah. the Shanks. Capulets and the Montagues. Yeah, the Capulets and the Montagues. Uh, and the Hatfields and the McCoys. Yeah, yeah those yeah, ones. There that's we it. go. That's exactly what I meant. Hey everyone! Yay. Yay. High all, all right, right. <laughs> we're done. All right. Uh, so the Clampets and the Lamb Shanks they come together and. <laughs> Uh, it's just, it's a really sweet bit of business about friendship, about, yeah, friendship is dope, overcoming tragedy, overcoming like the differences that you think set you apart from other people. There's some really great stuff in here. I got to give it to Ryan Stegman for picking up the ball from, uh, Jerry Conway and like his first, you know, full writing stint. And he's great. It, he picks up all the characters' voices. I know, but you know. Dr. Ego that he may be, he nails it here. It's really, really fun, really, really sweet. And then we get the the last bit, the coda to this is eight years later. What? Yeah. We're jumping ahead. I know. Uh, so twist motion with my hands. <laughs> when we come back next issue, it'll be eight years in the future, new costume for Annie May, mm-hmm. uh, new adventures. It's really cool. I, I'm digging the crap out of this book. Good book. When next. do you want to go? Oh. Yeah, you're up next. Okay. Is Daredevil number 27, written by Charles Soule, who we will speak to later, or Ben will speak to later. Uh, art. Yeah, you're nowhere near that You're not allowed to uh, mean, Come on. I think that is absolutely a given. Uh, art, art by Ron Garney, colors by Matt Milla. Uh, and if you'll recall, the last issue ended up with uh, Deadpool in China. He nope, was not Deadpool. Deadpool. <laughs> uh, speaking of... There's a good Deadpool issue out this week. The sure that's is. Why. Great recovery. Great. Nice. <laughs> Very nicely done. Uh, anyway, Daredevil uh, was, without fear. was in was in uh, was in China. He was in search of a long lost friend, and he ended up coming across him. Uh, and we find Deadpool. Wow! Wow! What? Do you want me to take over this book? <laughs> Are you going to be able to handle this? Oh my! God. Look, it was it's my it was my first. New York Comic Con this week. I'm still that in was like six days ago, ago man. You I'm gotta gonna keep be, moving. I'm gonna be riding gotta the be like, excuse gotta, of New on. York Comic Con for months. Gotta be like a shark, eyes ahead. Just <laughs> yeah. keep moving, keep moving through the water. Uh, Daredevil is in a pit, and Blind Spot is looking down with looking down on him. We get a bit of a Blind Spot uh, backstory, which is really interesting. I would say we get. All, All of, of Blind Spot's backstory, <laughs> his full origin. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You, we see him infant, <laughs> then we see him toddler, uh, then we see him move to New York City, then we see him teenager, then we see him. Uh, <laughs> we see him teenager. We see him as a teenager. We what see you, him what are you, teenager. A caveman. <laughs> we see him teenager. We see him broken arm. We see him fighting. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a nightmare. Yeah. I'm enjoying it, but man, our <laughs> listeners are probably like, what the hell is going yeah. on? Uh, I do want to say that there's an interesting thing in here, and I don't remember if it was revealed that Sam has a sister? Yeah. No, she's been in the book before. Yeah. Has yeah, she? Yeah. I don't remember her. Did she, she doesn't have any powers or anything? No, she's just a normal girl. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She had these, like, leggings on? Yeah. And they were like, we don't know who her dad is, and the leggings kind of look like Spot. You know, like oh, the really? spot powers? I, I do mm. not think the spot is her dad. <laughs> but, that but, would be but it's great. possible. Yeah. Well, anything's I mean, how possible. Do you go to the bones of the guy who's all holes. Hey. <laughs> Come on. What is, I said bone zone on the live stream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with like 
a bunch of people who are not used to it. Nice. And they were just like, what? And I just kept going with it. Okay. Lorraine was there and she was like, yep, this is real. Yeah, no, Lorraine knows what's up. Yeah. Uh, it's actually interesting you mentioned that because they, <laughs> not the bones up part, the the father part, because it is, there is a point made to talk about the fact that we don't know who Blindspot's father is and we don't know who uh, Blindspot's sister's father is. Yeah, yeah. We don't know. And, they're not the same guy. Though. And they're not the same no. guy. And that happens. Yeah, sure. uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so after we get the 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 flashback, we that this yeah is amazing. You're looking at a, a full page splash of broken Daredevil in the pit. Mm. He's holding his mask after Blindspot has sort of gone through his whole spiel, and it's this beautiful page that is like a little evokes some John Romita Jr. like '80s, but is yeah. very much like Ron Garney putting. The stamp on this beautiful, dark, twisted, broken Daredevil. It's mm-hmm. gorgeous art. It's really it's, good. Uh, who's Matt Mila on colors? Yep, that's right. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Yeah, it looks so great. And uh, Daredevil thinks he comes to a conclusion about why he's there, about why Blindspot is telling him all of this. He climbs out of the pit that he was stuck on. He makes his way through the mountains uh, in uh, this region. And he uh, gets caught in a trap. Where he's brought to the beast. Yeah. The beast, the... Not the X-Men's beast. No, no not the, the head of the hand beast. Yeah. That's right. Nasty uh, customer. And that's where we leave off in a very interesting situation with Blind Spot, uh, with the beast, with Daredevil. A lot of things happening all at once. Yeah. The beast kind of looks like the astral uh, version King. of Shadow King. Yeah, I agree. Which I love. Yeah. Looks gross and the tongue and the teeth and yep. like... Job of the Hut esqueness, yeah, with the yeah, yeah. hood on. I like that he has the hood. I like that he has the hood. He doesn't need the hood. He's like, I, he's like fully naked mm-hmm. except for <laughs> the hood. He's like, oh, it might rain later. Yeah, I just want to be prepared. Yeah. Might, I don't want to get a chill. Yeah, he's got to cover the shoulders. Yeah, Maggie, that's right. right. He wants to cover the shoulders. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. Number twenty-three of Miss Marvel, written by G Willow Wilson, art by Diego Olor. Tagui, colors by Ian Herring. Uh, this is I, I like the way this this issue lays out because the thing with Miss Marvel is it's not always big supervillain fights in Miss Marvel. A lot of times it's just slice of life stuff, and that's kind of what has made this book special. And we deal with we start off with Kamala eating breakfast with her brother, seeing that Bruno's been awarded citizenship to Wakanda. So that's a heartbreaker. She's not going to be seeing him anytime soon. Um, she gets to school. There is a new, uh, there's a new um, student in their class. It's a Pakistan exchange student. I love Kamala's reaction where it's uh, basically she's like, what, do you think we all know each other? When the teacher's like, you're going to show him around. Then he shows up and he's a dreamboat. My favorite is Mike's reaction. Mike, yeah, uh, Mike is great. Former flame to Bruno, mm-hmm. heartbroken, but she's getting through it. And she just like... She's just like, well, hello, yeah. sailor. Seriously, <laughs> great. Look at look at these little things that Diego does in the background, just like little touches of like Nakia mm-hmm. holding Mike's face, trying to, you know, adjust her back. Kamala going crazy. Um, so you know, we get some cool stuff at the school, and then we find out that a train is out of control. So Kamala springs into action as Miss Marvel notes that she's been kind of holding back from being Miss Marvel lately. She's her confidence is not at the best place. Uh, she's really conflicted after encountering a friend who became a villain and various stuff like that. But she jumps on the train. She talks to the guys in there. Wonderful dialogue in this issue. And then who should show up but the Red Dagger? Uh, The Red Dagger is, of course, the hero she met when she was traveling abroad. And he is now 
here in the United States. Of course, we know that he is also the Dreamy Exchange student. Um, I love that the two of them cannot do, do not realize yeah, who they are. Exactly. It's like she's got a, that a bandit mask on, yeah, and yeah. he's just got a scarf over. Bandit mask. I like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's from, uh, I pulled that from Fantastic Mr. Fox movie. Oh, very nice. They call it Bandit Mask. I've heard it referred oh. to as a Domino Mask. Domino also. Mask also works. Um, you see the trailer for that new Wes Anderson drink? Oh, heck yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, what on. is it? It's a Island of Dogs. <gasps> it's another stop motion animation. Oh, no. And it looks perfect. Yeah. I got to check that out. All right. So, anyways, back to Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel is kind of bickering with Red Dagger. She's really more upset with herself and she's taking it out on him. She's just like, you know, you're here. This is odd. I don't know how to deal with this. And meanwhile, this train is just the thing I love too is the train is not speeding. It's going at like 25 miles per hour, <laughs> but they can't stop. So they have to get other trains out of the way. As a New Jersey transit, uh, user mm-hmm. i actually really appreciate how accurate the trains look <laughs> like it looks exactly like a new jersey transit train which is just phenomenal i also love that ms marvel is like able to stay on like parallel with the train yeah like she can go that fast at one point she's running backwards yep she's mm-hmm. terrific yeah she's great they come to a bridge a literal bridge not like a metaphorical bridge um she finds a way to get the train over the bridge she's still pissed off at, now she's pissed off at red dagger for, for helping her <laughs> just this guy can't win um but he has helped her she stops off at a yaya which i'm guessing is that like the marvel universe version of a wawa yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she gets some snacks yeah yeah yeah, she gets uh, a little bit of encouragement from some local fans, and her attitude gets a little better. So she comes back. She's fueled. She's ready to go. She's with a red dagger. But then the problem is there's another train coming. They couldn't reroute it in time. Typical New Jersey transit uselessness. <laughs> um, and they're just barreling towards each other. So now we have a, uh, a cliffhanger. Not a literal cliffhanger, but a metaphorical cliffhanger. Ah, thank you for mm-hmm. clearing that. Like not, you know, I, I talked about the bridge earlier. It's a cliffhanger. I like this book because it just felt like, it was the most average thing that like just the most mundane thing that could be happening that there's a train running out of control. This is stuff that happens in real life, you know, like supervillain attacks and all that jazz that doesn't happen in real life. We can't relate to that, but we can relate to the fact that sometimes trains derail and they, uh, they deal with this sort of thing. So it was cool to see Miss Marvel and Red Dagger dealing with it. I like the interplay between Miss Marvel and Red Dagger. I like the stuff we got in Kamala's home life and school life, just a beautiful issue. And, uh, Diego, I'm sorry, I'm butchering his last name. Oh Lord, Teggy uh, is a really good artist, really skilled, and really doing a great job of depicting uh, Miss Marvel, Kamala, and her friends, and uh, depicting the action. And like I said, just spot on New Jersey transit trains. So <laughs> can't say enough good things. Right on. All right, we've got Defenders number six. This is the first part of Kingpins of New York. Legacy. Legacy. Uh, and it's written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by David Marquez, colors by Justin Ponsor. I was reading this on the train, mm. the MTA train, the mm. New York subway. Superior train. And I was going through it and I was just thinking, you know what? The world does not appreciate David Marquez and I Justin was just Ponsor with you. nearly as much as they should. If you think about it, think about it this way. David Marquez has not been doing this for that long. Or at the very least, like it's not four or five years. Yeah, probably. that's not. No, no, it's that's not, not that long. Yeah, uh, evil Ryan Stegman is like ten years. <laughs> yeah, no, Ryan Stegman should be much better than he is. Um, <laughs> he's no, he's great. He's, he's very, very good. Very good. Um, but Marquez 
it's just to me the leaps and bounds he's made in the last few years. He came it's, in good, yeah. and he is now upping his game to the point where he is great. Oh, my God. Level. There, you know, uh, we've got the um, the end of last issue was uh, Diamondback shooting Black Cat in her apartment, yep. taking her, like, going and making a play to take her down, knock her out of the kingpin biz and make a play for power. And they had this awesome fight, and she's still fighting, even though she's got bullets in her. Brutal stuff. It's intense. He's about to, you know, finish her off when then... In Leap, Iron Fist, and Daredevil. Great fight between the three of them. Between uh, Iron Fist, Daredevil, and uh, Diamondback. Then we get to this two-page splash, which, like, uh, you got to look at it. It starts one panel, two panels, three panels, four panels, five panels. And the way... Right? The way the story flows out and, like, is told on these two pages is incredible. It is so good. And, you know, like... You, it's one of those things that is so good you can miss it, like because you're following so intently, it tells that story to flows, and then you step back and you look at it, and it's just like jaw droppingly good. And then that go like you've got this build up to the the battle between Iron Fist, Daredevil, and uh, Diamondback. Black Cat is you know trying to get away, and this car's coming. Jessica Jones driving a car with Luke Cage in it, and we're we're like building up. It's a really great tension building moment. And then the next two page spread is this incredible shot of them just driving into a gassed up i mean totally on the sauce he is like super powered so he can handle this uh driving right into diamondback with the car Uh, it's beautiful shout out to justin ponsor with the colors because it's it pops so hard there's something going on right now i i saw it on twitter too of the uses of these kinds of colors the purples and some of the greens and some of these there's it's just a trend in like the sphere of art right now you can if you look at a lot of comics you'll start to notice it i think it was even like a runaways cover recently had a, a lot of books when you look at these purples i don't know how well you see this purple ben Okay, um, but there's this beautiful like neon purple here. It's it's gorgeous. It's like pinkish purple. Uh, but that all happens. And what I'm trying to say is, yeah. this art team is phenomenal. Uh, of course, Bendis is great, and we've got this cool hero moment where the defenders are there uh, and they're ready to to throw down with uh, Diamondback, and it, it's awesome. Luke finally gets his revenge. He hits him with a friggin' car. Yeah, uh, it's He's really really good that. stuff. Then we get this cool uh, like sort of interlude yeah. of uh, the trial of Diamondback and Matt Murdock's there, the Defenders are there, but it's done in a style of the uh, the Pulse, the DailyBugle.com like, uh, artist renderings <laughs> yeah. of the, the court scene. It's really, really good. It's a really clever way. Uh, we get a little bit of Ben Yurick. Finally, teased on the cover is Deadpool. We do see him. He will be uh, playing a role in this arc. I like what he's wearing. Yeah, he's yeah he's wearing a <laughs> something flicks sweatshirt. I wonder what that could yeah. be. It's really great. Very uh, very Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, this is Deadpool. Tough Not Daredevil. Not Daredevil. They're both in the book. In so the this same book. This yeah. book would have been a nightmare for you. Yeah, but, <laughs> as I'm sure it was when you read it. But it finally ends on uh, a really great splash page where we see who is actually working alongside uh, Diamondback, and it it like feels like. Yeah, we knew, but at the same time, it feels big. Still big. Cool. Still cool. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. My next book is Falcon Number 1, uh, which is the first in the 
Legacy, uh, Marvel Legacy. It's uh, written by who's it written by? It's written by Rodney Barnes. Uh, I, and uh, well, I have we're, trying, it we're trying to pull it up on my tablet because they didn't give us our actual. There we go. Okay. Issues. I have it. Written by Rodney Barnes. Art by uh, Joshua Kassara. Uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, and it's Sam Wilson in Chicago. Shy town, places, uh, which is the really windy city. That's right, and on those winds is flying the Falcon nice. with his actual Falcon bird, Red Wing, uh, uh, Red Wing. and uh, he is essentially it's it's an interesting turn for Sam Wilson, who's kind of entering what seems to be more of a ground level uh, kind of superhero business. Sure, I mean that's when he, where he's always been most comfortable. Sam Wilson has always been. The superhero who's also a social worker, the guy who's really, you know, down on the streets getting it done. That's right. And it, it well, if I guess what I mean is it feels like um, a, a, a forging of Falcon, a, a continue, continued forging of Falcon as really his own character, as his own hero, because he's been so closely tied to Cap for so long. Um, there are I, I, I sensed some definite nods to uh, the idea of him uh, being truly independent in his own way having that own identity of course which we've gotten to know so well for so long but it's it's it really seems to be entering a new era which i'm really enjoying uh falcon is teamed up here in this book with the patriot who is a kind of uh, like a protege figure uh for him they are working on some gang violence in chicago between these two gangs uh, that are in kind of constant battle. Sam goes to like negotiate. the Hatfields and the McCoys. Oh, oh I get it. The Clampets and the... the Great. Keep Great. going. Keep going. I, I'm refraining here from singing the uh, the theme song to... Beverly Hillbillies. Beverly Hillbillies. Great. It's a... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sam goes to meet up with one gang leader. Uh, uh, Patriot goes to meet up with the other. They arrange a meeting in Grant Park... Uh, uh, Sam then goes to City Hall and has a meeting with the mayor who kind of acts in a little bit of a shady way. Uh, Sam kind of pitches him the idea of this peace process. He seems to be on board, but then uh, kind of says some some stuff after Sam leaves the room. Uh, There's a great splash page here that kind of explains, it just gets really at the heart of uh, Sam Wilson, uh, the heart of what happened in the aftermath of Secret Empire uh, and how that has affected him, how he is returning to this life to kind of give hope to the everyday citizen who might have lost it, who might have been convinced that uh, that evil really is everywhere. Evil really does kind of pervade society and he wants to give people hope again and that's why he's back on this ground level. He goes to a cool concert with Patriot and then they end up at Grant Park and right as the peace deal is about to be made very publicly, uh, one of the gang leaders... They go to a Prodigy concert. That's Prodigy right. tribute concert. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one of the gang leaders uh, shoots the other. And all hell breaks loose. Uh, the, uh, the gang... Hell literally. Yes. Because... Well, the one it. gang leader uh, goes and meets up with the mayor again, and uh, things might not be as they seemed. And, uh, yeah, it's just a really intriguing, interesting uh, take. Kind of a really cool, ends up being a really cool mixture of genres in a lot of ways, uh, this book. 
and it's a great start. All right, wrapping things up as far as picks this week, we've got X-Men Blue, number 13, written by Colin Bunn, art by Jorge Molina. Do you need it? No, good. Great. Uh, this is a really fun issue. It basically takes the X-Men and puts them in all these different settings that are familiar to X-Men fans. We've got... Uh, one group of X-Men stuck in the Days of Future Past area, one that's up in Asgard for when we had the Asgardian Wars, and then a third that is trapped in Inferno. Uh, and X-Men dies. I was right? not prepared for not that. Not for I was that. Like, that. I went, whoa. It was crazy. But it was really just, it's it's the fun of getting to see uh, Cullen and Jorge explore these different eras and also the different ways the X-Men kind of mesh with one another. We've got stuff going on with Prestige, with Nightcrawler, with Scott and Gene of the younger team, um, and just all sorts of cool stuff. Mojo, heavily involved. And where you get Mojo, you got to get another guy, and that's Longshot. With a beautiful mullet. Yep. The mullet is just <laughs> like, it's there. It's not like overpowering. It's no. subtle, and it's just like you tickling would, his neck. You, oh, would, so you would think at some point the he would get a visual updating, just get like a buzz cut no. or something like that. No. No. This is who Longshot is. This is part of the Longshot legacy. Longshot's great, though, because he's basically, uh, the way he's fighting against Mojo is he's siphoning off Mojo's viewers by carrying around his own uh, camera crew. So every time he does anything, he's saying, like, wow, look, at, look everyone, it's the X-Men. He's my essentially old allies. a current YouTuber. Yeah, he like, is. That's ex- that, it's so good. You he got is it. the cord cutter of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's great stuff. But no, it was cool just seeing all the uh, classic settings, seeing Jorge Melina uh, gets to draw kind of classic costumes, put them in different situations, and the way they all interact. It's just a big old fun X-Men event. Mojo's a fun villain. Um, this is a good story, and I'm really enjoying it. There's a, a point in the issue where Mojo has this wheel, and fans can, like, yes. viewers can vote on which storyline to go into I don't into think next. they vote. I think they spin the wheel. Or spin they? the wheel or whatever yeah. it was. I have a little bit of an issue because it did not have Executioner's no executioner song. song. And how do you not have execution <laughs> yeah. song on that? That was I mean, a bummer. They have Age of X and Messiah Complex and a whole bunch of other great ones, but like Fall of the Mutants was um, on there. Yeah. I remember seeing you could they could just easily slot in a little, a little, 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 little bit, little bit. All right, let's talk about quick hits for this week, starting with all-new Wolverine number 25. First of all, kudos to the all-new Wolverine team for making it issue 25. Great book. It's really been killing it. Tom Taylor writing, uh, new artist Juan Cabal, colors by Nolan Woodard. Uh, We flash back to Japan a lifetime ago where Wolverine gets a sword. Then we go forward in time to uh, Dokken. He's in a bar. Things are not planning to go well for Dokken. He thinks he's going to get into a bar fight, but he gets into something much more sinister. And then Laura is exposed to um, Dokken's arm. They cut off Dokken's arm and leave it as like a calling card. It's crazy. Gabby wants to go on an adventure with her, but she uh, does not want Gabby along because she knows she has to go back the place it all started for her, that place that we explored in one of our Twim URCs uh-huh. when we read the original X-23. She's going back to the facility. Um, and she is kind of confronting the ghosts of her past, the stuff that she did in the original X-23 series, which is really great. She thinks she's saving Dokken. It turns out she's saving someone else, and it's a huge emotional beat for Laura. Yeah. The art in this issue is so good. phenomenal. So good. So good. Juan Cabal. So, wow. Like... I was not expecting how I was like poured into it. And there are parts of it that remind me of Kevin Maguire, some of the facial. And I was just like, this is incredible. And I thought my only issue I had with the, with the, with the issue was I thought Jonathan had a voice 
thing now. Didn't they do that in like the last issue with Rocket? And Rocket was like, yeah, I put a translator on him so you you jerks could understand him. I wanted Jonathan to talk. But that, you know, we didn't have a lot of Jonathan this issue. He he might not have had anything to say. And that's fine. All right, next up we have Amazing Spider-Man number 789. This is part one of The Fall of Parker. And uh, this is written by Dan Slott, art by Stuart Eminen, Wade Von Graubadger, and Marte Gracia. And this is really Peter Parker is at his lowest. He's sleeping on a couch because he ain't got no money. The Daily Bugles just, just tossing and turning him like left and right. Um, some interesting stuff going on with Liz Allen and uh, Harry Osborn. They're smooching it up uh, after many trials and tribulations, but they came together. It's like what happens sometimes, you know, in a blackout, people just, you know, things happen, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, so at, is it a blackout? Well, in the when the Dark Force Dome oh, came yes, over New York, they were stuck together. They weren't sure if they were going to get out of it. Little feelings were rekindled, mm. shall we say? And uh, we've got Peter trying to get himself together. He has a little bit of a row at the Daily Bugle. He gets he gets to get his groove back a bit with Mockingbird as they go out on patrol to fight the Griffin. Griffin! Such a cool design. He looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's a great rationale here. He's, he's like holding up and he's stealing empanadas from a truck. Yeah. He's like, well, I go rob a bank. I got to, you know, take that money and buy myself things. I go rob a jewelry store. I got to fence it. I get the money. I just need to buy myself food. I'm just going to go to the food. That's <laughs> it. Like, smart. It makes a lot of sense. It's a great fight. Uh, the crowd uh, has a little bit of a turn with Spidey there. And it looks like Spidey is going to get some smooching on. And get you s- never know at the end with him and Mockingbird. It's going to be great. Uh, next up, I have Hulk number 11. Uh, it's nope. ri- Next up is Ryan with Despicable Deadpool number two eighty seven. Oh sure, yeah, I, yeah. I was just, I was just, monster. I was just spreading the love. Deadpool, that that comic you yeah. love so much. <laughs> Sorry, Daredevil. It's good. Actually, I I thought about this earlier when you spoke about some arms getting uh, cut off. Mm-hmm. I spoke about that. Uh, when some arms getting cut off were spoken about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can I go uh, talk uh, about the book? Please, great. I was reminded. Despicable Deadpool number two hundred and eighty seven, the new legacy numbering. Yep. Uh, this is. Deadpool kills Cable, part yep. one. There it is. There's just like, right here on, we go. Has advertised. Rolling right into it. Uh, written by Jerry Duggan. Art by Scott Coblish. Colors by Nick uh, Filardi. And it's Cable and Deadpool, one-on-one. It is down and dirty. It's bloody. It's vicious. Uh, there's a great moment uh, here where Dead, uh, Cable pulls out this massive 90s-ish weapon. And Deadpool yells, what the blink, blink. He like, you know, some bleeps. Uh, he said, this feels like anime, and I hate anime. I watch a lot of anime. You do love anime. I do. Uh, and so we get this great battle, Cable and Deadpool across the city. Uh, there's a big twist because the whole reason is Deadpool has promised Strife he would kill Cable uh, in order for Strife to save the lives of some folks. And now Deadpool has to do the, the worst thing possible, which is kill Cable, and there's some Major things that twist that story a bit for him. Uh, Strife, of course, has the phone number right mm-hmm. next to where Deadpool is standing and says, you got, you still got to do it, even if it means traveling through time. Uh, some interesting stuff. Some arms are lobbed off. Some things are hacked. It is terrific. Oh, I get what you were saying about the cutoff arms. Yes. Nice job, Tucker. Thank you. Uh, now it's Hulk number 11, written by uh, uh, Mariko Tamaki, art by Bakhan. I, w- I want to give a shout-out to the cover of this, which is by uh, John Tyler Christopher. I just think it's a really fun cover. It's this, it's 
Jen and she's hulked out and it says, is love in the air for Hulk with some hearts? And it, she just says no. And she's pushing this guy's face away. We we open up with uh, her and, uh, and Hellcat hanging out uh, at her apartment. And it's uh, they're surfing some dating apps and trying to get Jen a date. There's a really, really fun montage, obviously a little bit of uh, fourth wall breaking, which is great. She meets up with this dude and it seems to be going well from the start, but there is just something about that guy's face. You know, it's not going in the <laughs> right direction. Um, uh, look, hey, well drawn. Uh, to illustrate that. And uh, it turns out he is a bit of a jerk. And then more than a bit of a jerk, he's a killer robot. Uh, Jen hulks out. She takes on him. Turns out the entire restaurant are killer robots. She takes on them. It's really funny when uh, Patsy shows up to see how her date is going and finds her uh, just rampaging across this entire restaurant beating and ripping these uh, robots apart. After that, they meet up for some tacos and kind of review the situation, review Jen's love life. Seems to be a recurring theme in Marvel books now is that our, uh, our heroes going out for tacos. I feel like it's, you feel like it's, it's a good, is this your, good, is this your influence? Like my influence? Yeah. That's, <laughs> Two is, big trends. This right. is your legacy. Ooh, <laughs> very good, Ben. Uh, we just need a taco truck in like pink and purple and like kind of blues. Very yeah, trendy. In those colors. Uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great, really fun issue that just kind of is one of those slice of life things, but with a little more killer robots. Yeah. Um, it, it, you mentioned it very briefly, but it is a very throwback style issue mm-hmm. to the fourth wall breaking yes. She-Hulk of, of, of your sensational She-Hulk, as yes. it were. Uh, which was very different in tone from what we had in the previous couple of issues, but yeah. a lot of fun nonetheless. Absolutely. Yeah. Also fun, in Humans, Once and Future Kings, number three, written by Christopher Priest, art by Phil Noto. We have got Karnak looking for his brother, Triton. We get a little flashback into their past, which is pretty cool. Um, we get uh, Black Bolt and Maximus out in the world. We learn some secrets about Maximus. We learn some secrets about Black Bolt's past. They're out fighting... They don't know that they're fighting the Fantastic Four, but they are training to fight the Fantastic Four because the guy who is currently steering the way for them is is the wizard um, in his civilian identity of Bentley Whitman. Um, We've got some very interesting stuff from Maximus. Uh, He's not telling the full story. We get the debut of Gorgon and Crystal um, in this series. uh, Elisha has a little bit of a conversation with Medusa. Medusa is great in this issue. Um, We got stuff with Gorgon and the Unspoken. Uh, Before he was the Unspoken, back when he was just the king. We have Crystal calling for Lockjaw. We have got um, Spider-Man making a cameo. And we've got a great backup story by Ryan North and Gustavo Duarte showing Lockjaw at the beach. Lockjaw at the beach. So cute. (laughs) Yeah. Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy number 23 is called Welcome Back. It's written by Marsha Griffin. It was directed by Jeff Wamster. Uh, there's also the I've Been Searching So Long episode written by Stephen Melton and directed by James Yang. And, of course, I Feel the Earth Move written by Marty Eisenberg, directed by Jeff Wamster. All of these stories adapted by Joe Caramagna for you, the reader. Yeah. Uh, I have Rocket number six written by Al Ewing. Uh, where's the Adam Gorham? Adam Gorham. Yeah, that. I can't find the credits page. Uh, anyway, we have Rocket, who is it's it's a it's a big kind of 
now and then story, I feel like, for Rocket. He's come a long way, and he is a changed raccoon, raccoon at this point. Uh, we see him at the end of the last issue. He switched bodies with some bad dude, and then that bad guy got shot. And, and we get a brief moment where he is kind of falling through this void in this bad guy's body, kind of talking talking about uh, what's happened to him, what's happened to his life. He has a conversation with Otta, which is very emotional. And then it turns out that he gets shot back into his real body in the real world after having that moment uh, where Otta then tries to kill him again. And uh, he has this briefcase all along and he opens it up and then it's tiny little tech net tiny, tiny tech little tech net cute little tiny little tech <laughs> I mean, net that should be like our muppet babies oh tiny yeah little <laughs> when you say net. our do you mean marvels or do you mean this week in marvels both i think it should yeah. Be, yeah i think we should this take week control. in marvel presents tiny little, little tech net tiny little <laughs> tech net tiny little tech net and uh we have a little one inch tall gate crasher who is dodging bullets. still formidable yeah uh, I, I love like rocket. I like the rocket gate rocket. stuff a lot. Yeah, so I would like, love to see more of that. And she fills the. She's still tiny, and she fills the room like yeah. with, just with her. Ah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. As Otta's trying to shoot her down, she says, "Don't shoot at a work of art," and punches her straight <laughs> in the face, <laughs> uh, which is really awesome. Uh, they uh, get away as Otta gets knocked out, and so does Caster. It's a heartbreaker. This issue, though. it really so is. Much, I, I, like, think, I think this is it for the series yeah, too. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's quite a way to go out. Yeah, yeah it, it, we Rockets end. had a tough go of it. Yeah, he really has. It, it, I, I was kind of reminded of Deadpool's kind of giant Jerry Duggan art. Yeah, it's not like you can go a comic without uh, thinking of Deadpool, obviously, <laughs> as we've proven clearly. Yeah, uh, but uh, we end Deadpool up with, on the brain with Rocket at a bar. Star Lord shows up, kind of uh, gives him a little smile, pat on the back. Rocket's not really having any of it. Yeah, Star Lord's kind of a jerk in this issue. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and we <laughs> just, just is. <laughs> That's it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it kind of ends on this pretty sad moment, like I said, where that kind of refers back to Rocket of a long time ago and the kind of energy that he had then compared to where he is now. And yeah. It, yeah. But it was, it was it actually – it was really nice because it definitely took, like, all the past stuff that Rocket was built on, gave it sort of a bow, mm-hmm. tied it up, and said, it's not forgotten. Mm-hmm. This is what happened. This is who – he was, mm. and this is where he is now. Yeah. Yeah. Really well handled. Runaways number two. Uh, of course, Tucker and I were in a very runaways mood this week because oh, yeah. we got to see the pilot. It's amazing. I've been thinking about runaways ever since. Have you, you've watched it? At this I haven't point. watched it yet. Really? I think I have it. You need to watch I, it. I know. You I know. need to check it out. I know. It's, it's really good. so good. Yeah. Um, we loved it. Um, the pilot was great. So I was in kind of a runaway state of mind when I read this. Runaways number two, written by Rainbow Rowell, art by Chris Anka, colors by Matt Wilson. We had the return of Gert last issue, and now we have basically a live Gert coming to terms. Look at this beautiful splash page of Chase just holding the woman he loves. Um, and we have her basically demanding to know from Nico and Chase what happened. Where are the rest of the runaways? Why are they not all together? And she's just taking them to task on everything. How could you let this happen? How could you lose touch? And they're just like, look, stuff happened. You don't get it. And she's like, no, this is how we're supposed to be. We're a family. And they're just like, no, like things were terrible. Things got really bad. We lost you. Another splash page of a great reunion. It is my favorite Oh, thing. my God. There, so there's the great reunion. And then yep. if you the next like page or a couple pages of – 
skirt and old lace like together. Mm-hmm. And you that's could... the reunion, guys. Skirt and old lace. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, do what you got to do. But old lace Deadpool. like nuzzling her <laughs> and like the like the dinosaur smile. Yes. This one right here yeah. in particular, this big hug they're giving. Dinosaur is so cute. Have you ever watched videos of like giant tigers hugging mm-hmm. the people who like save them or no. stuff like, if you watch like there's all these videos and like there's this one I could think of in particular this this person saved two tigers and hadn't seen them in years and they immediately like jump up and start hugging and nuzzling That's and so like, cute. like like just like rubbing around it. and mm-hmm. it's it's the most adorable thing. It sounds like something I would enjoy. Because <laughs> um, who wouldn't, unless you're a monster. Yeah. Um, they get to talking about Victor Mancha, late of the uh, Vision series. We all know what happened to him. He had kind of a tragic end. His end might not be so tragic. We get quite a surprise in this issue, yeah. something I was totally not expecting. Yeah. And then we get a little uh, interlude with Molly, where she's at. She's a little bit older than the last time we saw her. Makes sense. Some time has passed. She's living. Two years have passed yeah. since since the events of the original right. Runaways. She's living with her grandma, and uh, something seems to be up. Dun, dun, dun. But great stuff. Love Runaways. Rainbow Rowell is doing a tremendous job. She's such a huge fan of the property. You know that she's going to take great care to handle them right. Yeah. All right, we've got Star Wars Doctor Afra number thirteen, uh, written by Karen Gillan, art by Kev Walker, Mark Deering, and Antonio Fabela. And this is big throwdown between Darth Vader and Rur. Oh, is it such a good yeah. fight, man! Rur, the, uh, the immortal Rur, the immortal Rur, the Rur. Jedi consciousness that thinks it's a man, yeah. and uh, <laughs> uh, really great stuff. Doctor Afra is just doing her best to not get shot. Try to get out of here. She uses human shields, hut shields, all the shields. Uh, she's wheeling and dealing, all this stuff, but Vader versus Rare, really, who do you think is going to win this battle? Oh Come on, y'all. Is Darth you ever seen Star Wars? Vader, and uh, it's really great. Um, even though Rare can control machines and all this other stuff, and he's like, ah, you're, you're just a machine. He tells that to Vader, and Vader's like, yeah, uh, you are not the first to attempt such a feat. Safeguards were improved, and he just... There's this great three panels that Kev Walker draws of Vader force throwing the Rur's machine body back and forth against the walls. It's so good. It's so cool. And while Vader was going after one thing, he got a bigger prize in the Rur consciousness, uh, which is there's this great moment where you think, oh, my God, all this crazy stuff that's going on in Rur. What are they going to do with Rur? And he presents it to the Emperor. And there's a, a great moment. I won't spoil it. You should read it. Afra has a really cool. Tucker uh, would have spoiled it. Yeah, he would have. Yeah. Uh, Afra has some really cool <laughs> moments. By the Sorry, end, um, there's great stuff. With Black Chrysanthemum and the the killer droids. It's like I thought this was the last issue. I of thought the this series, was the last issue too because because really it ends so perfectly. Yeah, it has such a great end. Yeah, uh, it's like Afra looking almost at the camera. She's, no, I'm right there with you. Though. I was like, oh, this must be the last issue of the series because Karen's gonna go write Star Wars, so he doesn't yeah. have time to write Afra anymore. And she yeah. goes, why does this always happen to me? And then you turn the page, you get the letters, and then next, next issue. issue. I was so. It's still happening. Crazy. What a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Uh, I have next up the Unbeatable Squirrel number 25. Unbeatable Squirrel? Uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Yeah, that. I, I was so excited to get to the number 25. It's a quarter century of issues. Another landmark this week. Uh, great work from Ryan North writer, uh, of course, Eric Henderson on art, Rika Renzi on colors, and it's uh, Squirrel Girl against Dinosaur Ultron again. Uh, we see her take 
uh, Dino Ultron. She's there with Stefan and Nancy. She pops her Squirrel Girl claws. I love this because she so rarely uses them, but she does have like killer claws. Yeah, and, and they make like they talk about yeah, they it, like, no, yeah. like they make note of it. They bring it up. They explain it. It's great. Yeah, knuckle spikes uh, is what they're called, and it says in the in the bottom in the of the page it says twenty five issues into this run, eight issues in the previous volume, and twenty five years since the first appearance, and we're just now busting out squirrel girls knuckle spikes. Uh, she makes use of them uh, briefly. Ultron goes to this airplane hangar where he, he has a team of IT developers. Uh, working for him, uh, and Squirrel Girl attacks via pterodactyl, uh, where she leaps on do. him. Uh, there's a, some great pterodactyl crocaws, uh, sh- uh, kind of shouted into the night. Uh, she uh, gets defeated briefly by Dino Ultron, and then hey, let's not drive by the fact that Craven. The yep. hunter. That's it's right. This issue and Craven and Squirrel Girl have a dynamite relationship. They so really do. If if this were if there were toys made of this, like when we were kids, yeah, there would be the dinosaur Ultron. Yep, and he would have a yep. little cage yep. inside with of Craven, him where you could put Craven or any other any action other figure, figure you sure. want. I want that, but it would so come bad. with Craven. It would have yeah. to come with Craven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. naturally. Craven is so great. He's being held prisoner inside Dinosaur Ultron. Uh, Doreen breaks him out. She uses uh, she uses the dinosaurs of the Savage Land to come and help her take on Dino Ultron. They win the day. Uh, she and her crew are very happy. Uh, then it ends in a really great, fun little way uh, at a secret undisclosed location with, with some Dino Ultron little nuts and bolts. That we see get uh, poured into the ground and, and grow into something cute but hope, ominous. Hopefully, but hopefully good. You they change what? the programming a little bit. Maybe it won't be deadly. I hope so, too. Yeah. All right. We've got uh, Unbelievable Gwenpool number 21. And this is written by Christopher Hastings. Art by Gurihiro. And it is uh, first part of the legacy storyline. Um, there's a story at the beginning where Gwenpool uh, comes in and she helps out. Where's this guy named the Master? Yeah. Are you familiar with him? No. I mm. believe he is a new creation. Yeah. He's just like got all these snakes in the subway. Mm-hmm. And she's going to fight him. And you think, how does she fight the snakes? And then the snakes are gone. Deals with it. Doesn't really explain it. But later on in the issue, we see how Gwenpool deals with Pastepot Pete, yeah, who shows up, and uh, it's great seeing Pastepot Pete. He actually, there's a great moment of him, like, you know, like being kind of I don't, I don't want to say badass, but yeah. like say actually it. formidable. I would say badass. Yeah, Pastepot uh, Pete was a true badass in this issue. Yes. What I want to know, and I guess I need to talk to Christopher Hastings about this. One of the many people we interviewed at New York Comic Con, go check it out; it's still available. Um, is whether this is the Trapster reverting to his Pastepot Pete persona? Or is this a new Pastepot Pete picking up the legacy? The former. Ah. He's like, I, you know, I, I think he actually says, uh, um, where is it? He, he's talking to himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, All this time calling myself the Trapster, ignore, ignoring my original advantage. There we go. Underestimation. Is that a, <laughs> is that a word? Underestimation. <laughs> underestimation. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. Uh, we get to see Cecil and his cool new weird furry body. Yep. Uh, Super weird. Yeah, 
we got Vince, the Doombot who protects Bay Ridge, uh, all kinds of great stuff. But to foil Pacepod Pete, we get to see Gwenpool really like this is where all the stuff that has been building up in the last couple of issues with Gwen mm-hmm. and her powers and the fourth wall breaking and outside the panel borders, it gets super cool and super weird and like scary. It really, really neat it stuff. Draws the attention of Doom. Doctor Doom. That's right. You can go to Doom Medical School for me to call in. <laughs> That's right. All right. Up next, we've got Uncanny Avengers number twenty-eight, uh, written by Jim Zub and art by Sean Zaxi, colors by Tamar Bonvalain, and this is uh, the first part of Stars and Garters. Uh, which is great. This is like a classic, like cool down issue yeah, where totally. the the Avengers are dealing with all the repercussions of all the stuff. Various members of the team are having conversations. Here we see the uh, ominous lawyer that showed up at the end of last issue shows up so with a briefcase to talk to Johnny Storm, and they, it's like everybody's like on edge about it. But it turns out to be great for Johnny. Uh, it's going to turn him into a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to see. Beast and Wonder Man, you know, bro it up and fight the whirlwind. Uh, beautiful art throughout this issue. We get to see Wasp and Rogue have a conversation. Yeah, that's a nice pep talk that Wasp gives Rogue. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, we get to see some flirtation in various parts between Synapse and Quicksilver. Yeah. Uh, you've got Dr. Voodoo uh, conjuring up some, um, what is he called? Just the these little cytotes, I think. Yeah. The Satora. Yeah, uh, like a terrible idea. Yeah, diminutive minions of Sitorak, the invulnerable. Uh, they're obsessed with strength and durability. And so they basically come in to fix what's broken. Yep. And there's these cute little versions of Sitorak, like, like, little homunculi yep. do the fixing up of the yeah. Avengers mansion. And everybody's like, great. Synapse is like, oh my God, they're so cute. It's really great. The rest of them are kind of like, this might be a bad idea. Yeah, Sidorak, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Hmm. And then the last page shows you why this will be a bad idea for Terrible the idea. Avengers. Terrible idea. Uh, Weapon X number nine, written by Greg Pak and Fred Van Lente. Art by Mark Borstel and Abraham Robertson. Uh, and then colors by Frank D'Armada. The all-new Wolverine joins the hunt for Weapon H. Weapon H is out there. He's dangerous. He's a Hulk Vereen, and that's never good for anybody. Uh, out in the, out in the, out in the wilds of Wyoming is where they turn out to be. <laughs> the boonies. The boonies. Uh, Wolverine picks a fight with Sabretooth. Sabretooth is still insisting they should just kill this guy. We get to see and learn a little bit more about the military man who became Weapon H. See some flashbacks for Wolverine and Laura. We get a bunch of killer robots as is kind of the norm in this book now. Uh, they move in. We get to see Weapon H in action. He's pretty awesome. I love these gigantic friggin' Wolverine claws he has. It's so ridiculous that it's awesome. Um, he gets to trash a bunch of machines and the Weapon X team continues looking and then something about Reverend Stryker mm. turns out to be not quite right. Art in that book is so gnarly. Very gnarly. Oh, so cool. Very good. Uh, before you finish us up, Tucker, mm-hmm. uh, just a reminder that Vision Director's Cut number 5 is out this week. Uh, had lots of special features and all that stuff and I'll have a digital exclusive after you finish, Tuck. Ooh! Uh... And I am going to finish <laughs> Tucker, with... are you okay? Yeah. A- NYCC, right, guys? Uh, Zombies Assemble 2. Uh, written and illustrated by Yasaku Komiyama. Script by Jim Zub. 
uh, letters by Travis Lanham. Jim Zub, one of the other people that I got to meet this weekend. Yeah, good old Jim Zub. Jimmy Zub. Uh, Jimmy Z. This, this, oh man, this, these zombies assemble two issues are just, they disturb me. They're so intense and like almost unexpectedly so. I get lulled into this sense of security every time. They're and quirky and funny. And yeah. Like there, there's like good humor moments. And then like, yeah, those creepy, weird grossness. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we have Jasper, who's kind of the, has taken control of this zombie army, mm-hmm. uh, is taking on the Avengers. He kind of six the zombies on them. Dr. Amano, who is his sister, uh, uh, helps out the Avengers, helps him fight back. Jasper then goes to find Bruce Banner, threatens him. Uh, with the zombie virus, uh, Banner b- breaks away and uh, refuses to get uh, refuse, refuses to kind of succumb to Jasper's pleas. The Avengers show up again. They break Bruce out, and uh, then stuff starts to go down in a really big way. Uh, they are fighting in the street, and turns out Jasper was infected with the zombie virus himself. All along, we see how it happened, how it slowly grew throughout his body, and then he's got Art these... in this stuff, man. Oh, yeah, cool. it is, it is so, so intense. Gross. You guys should check out more manga and anime. Yeah, <laughs> makes me want to. It's really good. Yeah, I'm, I am, I mean, I'm so not used to this. I, it, it is great and intense. He's got this big messed up left arm that is like all squiddy and muscular and gross. His sister, of course, Dr. Mano is very upset at this sight. Uh, the Avengers try to, try to take him on. He breaks free. And then in the last page, uh, something very bad goes down for Dr. Amano and it sets us up for issue number five, uh, four. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, not on our sheet. But also out this week is Immortal Iron Fists number six. I'm looking around the room. Just a reminder, this stuff comes out. We got to make sure y'all know about it. Kari Andrews wrote it. Afu Chan drew it. Colors by Shelley Chen. This is the final issue of Immortal Iron Fist. Such so we don't need to good. worry about it anymore. <laughs> but it's so good. All right. Uh, you've got this we'll still worry about uh, it. mystical dragon named Gork who just says Gork, Gork. It's really cute. Uh, art in this is awesome. Um, Danny... Uh, at the end of the last issue, we saw that Pei had been whisked off to a new dimension where she does not have access to her chi, she does not have her like powers, uh, and she can't contact anyone. And on top of that, everyone in the Marvel Universe forgot about her. They, they She's sort of out of their consciousness. So this issue starts with Gork freaking out, being like, I remember, even though he's not saying it in English, he's saying it in in. in Dragonese, whatever version he says. And uh, he's like, Gork, Gork. Uh, Danny is visited by uh, Pei's friends, and they're sort of, all these things are coming together, and no one can really figure out why. And then something happens, and Gork does this little bit of business, flames up, and starts to remind them. He reminds Danny, and he reminds the rest of them. There's some smooching going on. Uh, there's really great stuff. There's fighting. And then ultimately, Xiao Lao the massive dragon shows up and it's just gorgeous art. I can't stress enough how good this book looks. It is just really cool storytelling. In some instances, reminds me, uh, has a little bit of like tread more action 
type to it and like just the fine details and the cool things that are going on but it's very much after chance style and uh badass fighting and action pay leveling up becoming just supreme badass fighting shao lao uh earning her role as an iron fist uh connecting back with danny massive massive stuff if you haven't checked out this series the full run is now on uh, Comixology and the Marvel app. If you are a Comixology Unlimited subscriber, I believe it's part of the subscription. So really, really cool. And, a, you know, like a great way to put these characters into the Marvel Universe. You've got now these two Iron Fists who are going to kick some butt and take some names. Very cool. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Also on sale this week, collections. We've got Avengers by Brian Michael Bendis, the Complete Collection Volume 2, Avengers Standoff, Incredible Hulk by Jason Aaron, the Complete Collection, Marvel Horror, the Magazine Collection, Marvel Masterworks, the Mighty Thor, Volume 16 in hardcover, Secret Empire, United We Stand, Secret Warriors, Volume 1, Secret Empire, Star Wars, The Screaming Citadel, and Thor by Walter Simonson, Volume 1, New Edition. New Edition, like the band with Bobby? I was just thinking that. Yeah. I was just thinking that. Uh, If I knew any of their songs, I would sing one right now, (laughs) but I don't. Uh, Digital Collections. Candy uh, Girl? Did they do Candy Girl? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Digital versions of Captain Marvel Masterworks Volume 5, Marvel Firsts, the 1970s Volume 2, and Marvel First World War II Superheroes, Spider-Man, The Death of Gene <gasps> DeWolf. What? Wow, you could get that as a digital collection if you do not have Marvel Unlimited, and then mm, you can read along with Trivia URC next week. Yeah. Submariner, The Golden Age Masterworks, and then also on the Marvel app this week, Captain Marvel, the original 60s run, issues 47 through 51 and 54 through 57, Mystic Comics, 1 through 2 and 4 through 6. Some good Golden age stuff there. And Strange Tales, 1 through 10. Freshly digitized comics on Marvel Unlimited. We have All New Wolverine number 19, America number 2, Avengers number 6, Bullseye number 3, Cable number 29 to 31, and 48 and 49, Captain America Steve Rogers number 15, Champions number 7, Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme number 1 through 8, Hawkeye number 5, Iron Fist number 2, Marvel Team Up number 12, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man vs. The Sinister Six, number 9. Marvel Spider-Man Homecoming Prelude, number 2. Nova, number 5. Royals, number 1. Slapstick Infinite Comic, number 6. Spider-Man, number 15. Spider-Man Deadpool, number 16. Star Wars, number 30. Star Wars Rogue One Adaptation, number 1. Strange Tales, number 1. Uncanny Avengers, number 22. And X-Men Gold, number 1. Ooh-wee. That was a lot of comics, y'all. A lot of comics. My head is spinning. Oh, I can see it. (laughs) Don't spin too much, Ben's head. All right, let's head over to, as promised, the Daredevil Mayor Fisk Summit. And now, from Marvel Headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News. Hello, This Week in Marvel listeners. Boy, do we have a treat for you today. I am Ben Morse, Editorial Director of Digital Media here at Marvel, and I have called a summit, a Daredevil Mayor Fisk Summit. Oh, man. You did? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm here and for that's it. how you guys showed up. We've got Charles Soule, writer of Daredevil. Hello. And Nick Lowe, editor extraordinaire. I love summits. Yes. And mayors. Yes. So, guys. <laughs> Good. You're in the right room. You're have a great time today. Yeah, guys. Basically, the legacy storyline for Daredevil, which, Charles, you've been writing for a little while now. Yep. yep. Um, you're coming up on Mayor Fisk. And the uh, we... The issue of Daredevil we covered today, he's still in China. 
Mm-hmm. Still uh, doing his thing over there. Things are not going well. No, they're but not. But presumably, they will turn around enough so that he can come home to New York City and discover that none other than Wilson Fisk has become the mayor. Yes, it is, it is a real shock. You know, you go on a trip, you go overseas, you have a great time or a terrible time. I, I don't know how it's, great a time he's having. It's a pretty terrible time for Daredevil in China. China is very nice. It has a lot of great tourist destinations yes, it, there. it does. It does. Did he get to the Forbidden City? Uh, not exactly. It's more like he was thrown in a, in a pit. How yeah. about the Great Wall? Uh, thrown in a pit. Yeah. Huh. Anything you're gonna say? I, when I went there, when I went there, I, I didn't get thrown in a pit. Pit. But I feel like I missed out. You're not really getting yes. the full China experience. <laughs> yeah. But um, oh my but, god, today's issue. There's this great one-page splash of him with the beard, yeah, uh, crushed yeah. over. You know the one I'm talking about. I do know the one. Yeah. <laughs> so good. You familiar with the book? I am Charles? familiar yeah. with that one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't know because he's uh, he's yeah. far ahead, so yeah. I don't know if he remembers the little. The, things, little, the yeah. little things. The details. Yeah. He's a detail man. Charles yeah, is a detail man. I, I detail like to man. think so. I, yeah. and, and actually, far ahead, not only, I mean, not only have I written the start of the Mirror Fisk storyline today, like this morning, I'm, I'm, I was working on Daredevil 600. Really? Whoa. As a matter of fact. That's crazy. I feel the same way. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Get to, just to get to wake up and say that. I can't. It was just yesterday you wrote Daredevil number one. <laughs> yeah. six it was. It's amazing. I've worked so hard. Yeah. I'm so tired. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but Mayor Fisk starts in Daredevil 595. So mm-hmm. so 600 is actually, it's a little ways ahead. So we'll talk about 595 now. Yeah. Um, so so Daredevil comes home from China. He said he's had this, you know, rejuvenating vacation, sort of. <laughs> and, and he comes home and, and he realizes he should have been checking his messages because yeah, no kidding. Uh, Mayor Fisk has sort of taken over the city in his absence. And and it's not like a, like a play on words. He's actually in City Hall running the show. Mm-hmm. And and one of the first things we do in, in the story is talk about how we got that done and how it happened. Uh, and, and and really, now it's Matt Murdock's job to try and see if he can take his city back. I mean, now that the kingpin has sort of become the king, mm-hmm. it's like, what's he going to do next? Who became the pin is my question. Yes, yes. The pin is a big part of the story, yeah. but I don't want to spoil it. All you don't right. want to give too That's many things true. away. That's true. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know everything about the story yet, which I'm happy to. I don't want to be spoiled on the whole thing. Um, but I do want to touch on the fact that obviously Daredevil was out of the country, but Daredevil's not the only hero who would be in opposition to the kingpin. Are we going to learn kind of how he weeded out the opposition that would come to him, the the Spider-Mans and the like, who would be trying to prevent him from becoming mayor? I mean, ultimately, you know, it's not like... I mean, I don't, I don't want to, again, I don't want to spill too many of the twists sure. and turns, but, no, but Fisk don't. didn't, it's not like he, you know, went into a, went into City Hall and like shot all the other candidates or anything right. like that. It wasn't done that way. In fact, that I, I, well. think, I don't think that would, that might even be against the law. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? It's not like he was doing no. things like the Spider-Man and all those folks, they, they have a certain amount of ability to intercede. Like I'm, you sure. know, they can, they can say, Hey man, don't elect this guy. He's a bad dude. Yeah. But. You know, the thing about Wilson Fisk in the Marvel Universe is that not everybody, like, st- stuff sort of is thrown against him and not a lot sticks. You know, mm-hmm. he's like the Teflon Don. Mm-hmm. And so people can hear rumors and there's all these people bad-mouthing him. But to some people, he's just this guy who's kind of been on the yeah. scene for a long time. Mm-hmm. And even in the voting, like, I can imagine Spider-Man showing up, like, Peter Parker going to his local where he thinks he's supposed to vote and he forgot his registration card. Yeah. And, he like, he's the wrong location. Right. And they try to he tries to get to the right one, but instead he stops and stops a mugging or yeah. something like that on the way. He gets there, they're closed down. He missed it. So Spider-Man <laughs> was just foiled by the Parker luck. Yes. Yes, that's exactly. Why, that's preventing him from being there. Um, let's, let's back off for a sec from the storyline itself and talk about how you came up with the concept for this. What was the genesis of, hey, we want to put Fisk in the mayor's mansion. We want to challenge Daredevil in this way. Is it something you came up with and pitched to the editors? Is it something that was 
uh, presented to you. How did it come about? Uh, it was it was desperation and terror uh, <laughs> when I found out that <laughs> I was going to be best yeah, When I found out that I was going to be writing Daredevil because you know this is years ago, hmm. but I was I, I came onto the title after an incredible run from Mark Wade and Chris Somney and Paula Rivera and and uh, Marcus Martin who did amazing work for years, mm-hmm. uh, and and even beyond them you've got I mean Frank Miller and and uh, Brew Baker and, and Brian Bendis and just like a, a I was going to say a rogues gallery. I will say a rogues yeah, gallery. Yeah, I think it's fitting. A bunch of rogues yeah. who have done incredible work on Daredevil in the past. So, so you know, I didn't want to just come on and be like a caretaker writer mm-hmm. if I could. I wanted to do something that really felt new and, and interesting for the for the character. Uh, and, and so I wanted to write something that felt like this big, huge saga, really building to this point where uh, Daredevil thinks he's sort of won this big victory, which he did in the, an arc a couple back called Supreme, mm-hmm. where he went to the Supreme Court yeah. and, and, and won a big legal victory there that he thought would change the city forever. And now he's seeing the repercussions of that. So it's all supposed to be like dominoes falling. Um, and, and it all is supposed to feel really inevitable and, and constructed from the start because it, it was. I mean, I've had this plan from the first pitch. Yeah. And it's so interesting as you went back and talked about each of those writers and artists and all that kind of thing and to think of it. it and uh, And it's you coming at your run of Daredevil was always so inter- interesting to me because parts of it felt familiar, but but I, I do love how you found your own angle at it. Yeah, like, for you sure. Know, leaning into the lawyer a bit harder than anyone else has, but also into some, like, you know, the way you're going at the hand and the way you're going at Fisk and these different things. I I, it, I just, uh, it's so laudable to find mm-hmm. that and to, and for your vision to, to, to take hold there. And, and I mean, I'm sure it helps to have you know, unbelievable collaborators like Ron Garney, Oh, and man. Stefano Landini and and mm-hmm. and, uh, and all of them. I mean, Goran Suzuka's done incredible Gorin's work on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's. I've been extremely lucky. I mean, they carry more than half the weight on this, uh, especially Ron coming on early and and defining the look of the book with this very, you know, intense uh, like dark feel to it. It, mm-hmm. it feels like you're you're looking at um, the city through or looking at the book through like a like a rain soaked windshield, uh, mm. which which I think is a. Uh, it just really adds a lot to the to the feel, like the emotion and the intensity mm-hmm. of it is is all there, and that's you know that's Ron, the other collaborators. Yeah, and, great. and 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 just like your writing doesn't feel exactly like Frank Miller's or mm. Bendis's, right? Like Ron's doesn't feel exactly like Dave Mezzichelli's or Frank Miller's or Klaus Jansen or John Romita Jr. or Salmi. Like I I just love how you guys you you found like such a. I feel like Daredevil is such a hard character to, to find your own voice with in so many ways because there have been so many strong voices, maybe more than any other Marvel character, mm. I have to say. Like, it's like the amount of hugely strong runs on Daredevil is uh, is special. Like, I, like you know, I, I don't think you can point at the same thing necessarily on, like, a Daredevil Wolverine. They've had incredible runs, mm-hmm. but I don't think they've had as many, like, landmark runs. True. Uh, but I, I love that you guys are adding yours to that. And in your own unique way, and that is easier said than done by in a big way. Uh, yeah, it, it really is. I mean, it's <laughs> it's, but it's also one of those things where you decide you rise to the challenge or you don't. Uh, I don't think anybody takes that job unless they they really feel like they should have it. Yeah. And, and, and we forgot Kevin Smith and Joe Quesada too. Oh, yeah, that's one of my of favorite runs yeah. too. Like Absolutely. right there. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. Th- th- it's true. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a truly landmark character that that 
some of the best in the business have worked on. And so you, you'd have and to. And Nascenti and John Romita yes, Jr. Another one. Like that. Like, keep jumping I just can't, true, I can't help true. myself. Like they're like, and yeah. these aren't just like, oh, those are good. Like these are amazing runs of comics. Mm-hmm, right. And yep. it's just so, it's just so neat. I hope it's not too much pressure, Charles. Well, if there, <laughs> well, if there wasn't me. before. Yeah. No, listen, I've had that list in my head on, on every time I sit yeah. down on a script and, and even more with Daredevil 600, just to circle back around to that. Like I'm, I'm writing it with the shadow of all those people. Like it's like, they're standing over me as I type hmm. being like, all right, Nice Creepy. one, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to remember, like, in what other big hundreds? Like, I think I, re- I think I could put a finger on what Daredevil 200 was, but I don't even, I don't remember what the necessarily what 500. Uh, I remember I, one I, of them was Fall of the Kingpin. The that was probably three, 300, 300, 300. or four hundred, three hundred. Yeah. yeah. And then 500 was one of the ones we did, like one of the. This isn't supposed to be 500, but we're going to make it 500. Yeah, like, no. It was like a jam piece <laughs> yeah. almost, like lots like of writers and artists in it and all yes. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So I want to talk to you guys about how this story doesn't just affect Daredevil. We do mm-hmm. want to get back to the Daredevil at all, mm-hmm. but it does kind of reach out to the tendrils of the Marvel Universe. It affects everything. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have you here, Nick. And Nick, you've been... I was wondering why yeah. I was here. <laughs> Just distracting yeah. and making dumb jokes. Um, <laughs> you've been around a lot of these stories that kind of start out locally. They can start out in one title and they expand to encompass a little bit more of the Marvel Universe. What makes a story stand out to the point where you want to say like, well, we want to tie this into Spider-Man. We want to tie this into some of the other uh, books. What makes a story like Mayor Fisk um, something you don't want to just contain to the one title? Well, just to be completely honest, just the coolness of mm-hmm. the idea. And so many times, like as editors, we will say like, well, we got this status quo coming up. Uh, here's what it is. Please feel free to reflect it in your books. Take it and run with it. But we don't necessarily, we try not to. And, I, and I'm, I think we're pretty successful at that. Try not to force it down our creators' throats. Mm. Um, and, that, and this is a great example because, you know, Charles pitched this. And nearly every writer in the room was like, oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, like, right. I could use that. Like, that would be so cool. And so, you know, already out of the gates, you know, he's showing up in Venom. He's showing up in Amazing Spider-Man. And this was just something because the the people working on the books, like, this is too rich, uh, rich an idea not to dip it, take a dip at. And, uh, um, but it was just, like, not every idea is like that, though. You know, mm-hmm. not every idea mm-hmm. gets that purchase and gets that uh, that widespread, you know, integration. Um, but it's because it, it just comes down to the coolness of the idea and how mm. many stories explode in your head as you just think about it, which is why Mayor Fisk is so cool. Mm. And Charles is like, is the idea that he's going to be showing up in other books something that concerns you? Does it put more pressure on you? Or are you just excited that it's going to be ref- reflected globally? Uh, well, I trust my editors. Yeah. <laughs> I trust the editors. Uh, <laughs> Not, not at all. I mean, honestly, like, I know that the other writers are, are great, for one thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody's going to do anything that uh, is, is, I don't know, outlandish? Outlandish? Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to do anything outlandish. Um, it's but, comics. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but I've also, I've kind of designed the story so that it, 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 it won't be hit too hard by the fact that, that like, what I'm doing is is designed to be sort of flexible so that people can absolutely tell their, their mayor fish stories. And I knew from the beginning, like when Nick said, when in the room, everybody's like, that sounds cool, yeah. that it was going to be something that was popping up in other stories. So my job is to design a story that has room for all of that mm-hmm. um, and and hopefully make mine kind of the spine of it, mm-hmm. uh, but but let everybody else tell the stories that they're inspired to tell, which is which is kind of an amazing thing, right? Yeah, like absolutely. You know, the Marvel Universe. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, it, it's it's it lets, there's a lot of room to play in the big, huge sandbox. And... Mm-hmm. 
Uh, if I add a new toy to it that other people want to play with, that's that's fantastic. Yes. And Charles, along with uh, editors Mark Panisha and Jordan D. White, mm-hmm. the the great thing they gave us, you know, parameters within which to work. You know, for, mm-hmm. like uh, they they knew what Fisk's platforms. And I'm not going to get into those because that's kind of the story you're telling. They knew what he what his policies and what he was going for were going to be, uh, and and there's you know. A margin of things outside of that 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 would be possible too, but you know we know what the way he's going to be mayor, and so mm-hmm. that helps us, you know, work within that that range. Yeah, Charles, you mentioned that your run on Daredevil to date, this is something you've been building to the entire time. Yep, uh, you mentioned a little bit about the Supreme Arc and how that led to this, but going a little more granular, what were some of the road some of the road signs along the way to getting sure, here that people that's will, a great uh, that's a, that's it's fun i get to i get yeah. to you know lay Pull the cards the on the table and, exactly yeah. so so when we when we started the my daredevil run run and i began back in 2015 yep. a million years ago or years two ago. years ago whatever <laughs> yeah um feels sometimes it feels oh, like, it does right? feel yeah. like a Long lot has happened ago. since november 2015 yep. um but the 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 main status quo changes that I set up for Daredevil at that point were that uh, his his secret identity was back, yep. which was a big one, um, because I'm you know I'm a lawyer myself as as some folks know, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I need to talk to you about that later. I know, I know, I get that all the time. <laughs> um, but I I wanted to uh, I felt that a, a vigilante who was out running around on rooftops beating people up could not practice law at the same time. Like right. it was it was impossible. It just could never work. But I really, really wanted to tell some of those law stories with Daredevil because that's an expertise that I have that I really wanted to bring to the character. So I figured, all right, um, that was kind of agenda item number one for me was give him a secret identity back. And then I thought, well, okay, now that he has his secret identity back for the first time in years, what is he going to do with it? And I'm like, well, he is going to try to do something that allows him to be the best Daredevil he could possibly be. And that involved getting himself into the DA's office. Um, so he's been, a, he's been a DA in the series since the beginning of the run, um, which allows some access to sort of legal policy in the city of New York in a way that he didn't really have before when he was, he was a, a, a de, you know, defense attorney. Um, he's, he's inside the system, inside the machine in a way that he wasn't really before. And so his goal was to try to find a case as a DA that he could use to to change the law within the Marvel Universe to allow a superhero to testify on the stand while remaining masked within their secret identity. Mm-hmm. Because as Daredevil, he can, like, swing around as Spider-Man, a bunch of the other ones can, like, they're involved in these criminal situations, uh, but they kind of have to just, like, sort of subdue the criminals, tie them up, and then wait for the cops to come. But the yeah. cops can't really take the case to the finish line because they don't have the evidence. They weren't there to hear it. Like, it's this whole, you know, what are they going to do? It's one of those things that fans, like, sometimes when you, when you pull that sweater string, you're like... But how do these like what what, are the, what case do the police have the note from like, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, yeah, exactly. which I love this this plays up that thing that's always in people's yep. minds. So there was nothing there. So, but Daredevil figured that if he could if he could then go to court and say, well, here's what I saw, here's what I heard with my enhanced senses, um, but not have to take his mask off and be like, well, I'm actually Matt Murdock. And so I you know I don't want to get into all the you can read the issues if you want to, but that was that was sort of his big plan. Mm-hmm. And so he. He threw lots of different sort of back and forth. He he was able to to execute that plan successfully, which is great. But the criminal fraternity in New York City, including Kingpin at the top, but, but all of them were like, you know, uh, this could be really, really bad for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right. so they started trying to think of ways to kind of to, to stop it in everything from from sending assassins after Matt Murdock to to sort of hiring incredible lawyers to go against him and different things. Yeah. And and ultimately, when when Matt Murdock won. 
in, at the end of Supreme, we saw that that Fisk said, "All right, I guess now it's time for Plan C," and Plan C uh, is is Mayor Fisk. So cool. Yeah. So that's that's how it all built from the from the start. Nick, we talked about the idea of this spilling out into the larger Marvel universe, but how does it affect and change the larger Marvel universe? Like, what are we going to see reflected in the other books? Well, you know, one of the best things about the Marvel universe is is that uh, it's the world outside your window. We've all heard that phrase, and and you know, outside our windows right now in this moment, we're in the Captain America room at Marvel Comics, and we're looking out on New York City, mm-hmm. um, and because of that, the fact that the kingpin of crime, Wilson Fisk, or the former kingpin of crime. Right. Let's, I don't want to get a legend. Uh, yeah, a legend. <laughs> I don't want to get sued for libel. Is it li- is that libel or is that a slander? Uh, well, it wouldn't be either because he's not real. But if he there, were, if he were real, <laughs> and, and it was spoken to be slander. Okay, slander. Yeah. Uh, so slander I don't want to get covered for slander. It's true. <laughs> I'm going to use that in uh, credits. Um, but that's like you know, the, even just you know, we're we're right now in the middle of an of a mayoral election season. Uh, and there, you know, there's a debate the other night, and all that kind of stuff. And, the, and who the mayor of New York City is impacts not only us here, but you know, in the whole, the, the, the all five boroughs, and really the country in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, but so having Fisk there, it, it it just so many dominoes start falling, and especially once you see the Charles, because we can't talk about a, a lot a lot of this stuff because you know we were just talking about it at a Creative Summit last week. It feels like that is another thing that feels like it was a year yes, and a half ago. Oh, but but um but last week we were talking through like you know what Charles's whole story is that he's doing with with Ron and company, um and uh you know the hits just keep on coming. It's not just this election. It's it's not just this mayoral election and what happens there. Like there's all kinds of things that they've got up their sleeve, and each one kind of opens up a whole new cornucopia. No, they don't open. Those are just. They're already there's just cones, yeah. yeah. It, it opens, it fills a whole new cornucopia full of, of delicious stories yes. <laughs> that, like you know, that that you and your fellow pilgrims can feast upon, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and that's the beauty of it. Like you know, that's the beauty of it. It's it's not just one thing that you can follow on for the for a while, and then you know, and then it's just it's just fun, and it makes me think like looking over. If you go to Gracie Mansion in the Marvel Universe, and you're like. You know, Fisk, and then you'll probably see, like, you know, de Blasio, Bloomberg, like, Jameson, mm-hmm. uh, go yep. back. Like, what an illustrious group. And I, I do hope that there is a uh, – that we can find a moment for Jonah and, and Fisk to have, like – or even – I, I know it wasn't passed directly from one to the other, but, you know, kind of like in the presidency, how, like, you know, the, yeah. the former one. Uh-huh. I just love the idea that Jonah goes down there, like, every day to give him advice that's, <laughs> like, unsolicited or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing playing with, with like, the, the machinery of the Marvel Universe. It's really, um, you know, it's just, it's just a good time. And I, I think, you know, I, when I was researching the story, uh, you know, the mayor of New York is, is an incredibly powerful position. Like, nobody sure. can really tell him what to do sure. uh, to a degree. I mean, the governor can, but generally right. speaking, nobody can. Um, and, and all of the big governmental offices and departments kind of have to do whatever he says. And that includes like the police. So now Fisk has like this kind of private army. It's, it's an unbelievable thing. Well, so I, do you think Daredevil can handle it? I don't know. No. Yeah. Neither will I. No. no I've thought it through. This is the end. Yep. 600 issues. Good run. Yeah. It's a good it. run. Yep. <laughs> Charles, lean in a little bit more to the characters, to the personal of it all. Um, Wilson Fisk, Matt Murdock, they have an incredibly interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. Every character has their archenemy, and they're kind of defined by them in some ways. How does Wilson Fisk define Matt Murdock, and how does their relationship differ from any other in comics? I think part of it is that they both legitimately love New York City. Right. Right? And I think that that is something that um, they approach, obviously, in very different ways, 
Daredevil has appointed himself the defender or the champion of New York City, you know, whereas uh, I think Fisk sees himself as the guy who's going to, like, fix it, who's going to sort of make it perfect. And so, and those are very different roles. And in some ways, they could kind of work together, maybe, but that's not how they see it. I think that, and, and, they, and they never will see it. If they did see it that way, the stories, that would be the end. That's the end of Daredevil 600. And almost <laughs> like, it, you know, like, Daredevil <clears throat> loves it in a very selfless way, and mm-hmm. Fisk kind of loves it in a very selfish way. Right. You know, like, like he does want to make it better, but almost like to his own ends to, to some extent. Like, you know, so, so, so it's more so he can enjoy it more. And like, and, uh, you know, that's I think it's a, like that's what it's these two sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both these brilliant men who uh, who use their brilliance in very, very different ways. Yeah. Yeah. But with with the same goal, sort of like they just want yeah. New York to be what they what they envision it to be. And and I, it is really sort of about freedom versus control. Like Daredevil wants everyone to be safe and happy so that they can live their lives. And so New York can evolve to whatever it's going to be next. New York's always changing and becoming something new. Daredevil wants to make sure everybody who lives here can can live that way. Whereas Fisk is like, well, you know what? Too much freedom. Like the, the right guy's got to be steering mm-hmm. the ship. And he thinks he's the right guy to do it. Always has. And to build it into a reflection of themselves. Yeah, if every building was just shaped like Fisk's head, he would be pleased. That would please him. Nick, you mentioned that we're going to see some of this in Amazing Spider-Man. We're going to see some of it in Venom. Give us an idea of what we're going to see in tie-ins. Is it just going to be as simple as, you know, they see Fisk being a boy mayor on the TV? Or are we digging a little deeper? Oh, we're digging deeper. I, I mean, when when you're Spider-Man or when you're Venom, uh, different things you do are going to garner attention from the mayor's office, mm-hmm. you know, from city hall. And in a, like in a Spider-Man issue, like it literally takes him to city hall and there, and that's where their encounter begins. And in Venom, uh, there's something going on there. There is a, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of dinosaurs living in like yep. underneath Manhattan <laughs> and, and Fisk is not cool with that. No. And so that's a big part of where that, that one goes. Cause like, I mean, it's a rodent problem to him and he's got to, you know, get rid of it. And so he's got a very particular plan of attack. Um, but, but these are, yeah, th- this is not just a newspaper, a shot of him in the newspaper in the background. This is one of the best characters in the Marvel universe, you know, kind of with their, with upping the ante in such a huge way uh, that everyone has to play. Yeah. The cards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have to play those cards. And, and uh, ante up, as they say mm-hmm. in the poker world. Yep. <laughs> really solid, man. Yep. Man, so good at metaphors yeah. so good Charles what have we not covered because I want to make sure we uh, cover everything you want to say about this storyline it's, it's such a good story and I can't let's wait see. for people to um, read it well it's, it's, it's designed to be this big story about this massive rivalry between Daredevil and Kingpin obviously but there's also elements from my run that are gonna I, I'm building to 600 as this kind of like a lot of things that I've done in the run are gonna be are gonna be I don't know about finished but there's gonna be kind of definitive points for a lot of them in, in, in that issue. And that includes um, the story of Blindspot, who has been Daredevil's apprentice. So Love Blindspot. He's very cool. He's had some neat stuff going on with him recently. Um, so, And then there's another character named Muse, who... Uh, so creepy. Yeah, he's a freaky dude. Um, and he has a big story running through the Mayor Fisk storyline, too, that I don't want to spoil too much because it's one of my favorite parts. And Ron Garney is drawing... The Muse stuff really, really well. I mean, he, he and I co-created that character, so I really wanted to bring him back for when he comes back to the title. Um, and so Muse will be back. We'll also see, you know, 
again, I want 600 to feel like this big, uh, like the culmination of a lot of Marvel Universe storytelling. So there's a lot of, Daredevil is not the only Marvel Universe hero who's going to be on that issue. There's a, there's a crew of them who try to do something monumental. Ba, ba, See if ba, they ba, pull ba, up. Ba, They're ba, placing ba, ba. some antes. Ba, ba. Yeah. Yeah. yeah! I like it. It's like he saw my bet and he raised it. Yeah, he raised mm-hmm. it once. <laughs> um, <laughs> doubled down. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> and now, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's, he's back in the red suit? Yes, that's right. So, so, again, one of the other sort of building things that I did was that he was in the black suit because he... He kind of felt like he'd made a lot. He needed to really sort of focus on this one goal. He needed to be sort of, you know, he wasn't the friendly neighborhood daredevil for a while. Right. But at the end of Supreme, when he won that victory at the Supreme Court, he was so happy. He's like, you know what? I'm going to be the friendly neighborhood daredevil again. Everything's going to be great from here on out. I'm going to go to China for a relaxing vacation in a pit. And oh, then, man. yeah. And so he's been wearing the red suit. But uh, but but now we'll see. We'll see what happens. I love Only in superhero comics, like, you're like, I'm not really feeling friendly. I better put on like a black suit. Yeah, you know? today. Yeah. You know, I think it's time to get back into the old rats. I guess uh-huh. we all do that every day Absolutely. in our own ways. Yep. Absolutely. Really? Yes, my red and black costumes. That's all I wear. There you go. I'm wearing my red one today <laughs> because I'm so excited. Feeling so good. Very cool, guys. Is there anything else you want to touch on that we might have missed? Uh, just that I think the story is great. I'm I'm sort of half killing myself in the best way on it to make it as strong mm-hmm. as possible. And I'm, I'm excited with that a lot of the creators and, and even the editors, yeah. who I respect, have, uh, have who's that <laughs> exactly no one in this room um, have been have been excited about it too so so I hope people read it yeah it's gonna be great starting in Daryl number 595 which I believe is out on November 8th okay that's pretty so there awesome. you go yeah. yeah get ready guys all right thank you very much thank you thank you this week in Marvel uh, this week in Marvel <laughs> <laughs> This week in Marl, this is assistant editor Christine Bin. This is editor Eric Goldman. Let's see if we can get some energy up here, Christine, because I think we're both uh, we're both running low right now. Yeah, and I'm also <laughs> congested and dying. And concred is real. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I usually avoid concred, and I, I have a little bit of it this week, but I feel bad because you and some other people around us definitely got it bad. I know, and I think it's the. Uh, Going nonstop for four weeks, yeah. plus our Thor premiere, yeah, yeah, yeah. and our shoots, and the world of entertainment never stops. Yeah, but this was like, uh, it never stops for sure, but then once in a while, it's like super concentrated with things happening, yeah. you know? Because there'll be lulls where it's like, oh, it's just like one thing this week, but then this was one of those ones where a lot of things stacked on top of a lot of I things. I hope you guys appreciate all the, the blood, sweat, and phlegm <laughs> that went into <laughs> everything that we're doing for That's you right. all. I, uh, I keep demanding, Christine, like, <laughs> not, you know, like, try to rest. I'm like, get some rest. But, like, uh, this is a good segue in that uh, this week we had the L.A. red carpet premiere, or I guess world premiere for Thor Ragnarok. Um, it was... Amazing! Yeah. It was hot. Um, it was a month in advance because Thor Ragnarok does not come out in theaters until November third. Mm-hmm. Now it was really fun. I mean, obviously, it was my first time uh, 
kind of being part of that kind of event, uh, working for Marvel. And, you know, I, I've been to my fair share of those kind of events, but still it's different when you're sort of seeing that side of – it's madness no matter what side you're on. It's yeah. madness if you're, you know – when I was at IGN, like, you know, trying to cover on a press line at one of those. But, you know, still, you know, it's it's a lot of, you know, coordinated chaos. And uh, they're always funny, um, those kind of events, because there's kind of this lull and then a couple people start to show up and then everyone shows up. And uh, that's, that's, but that's like the fun and the madness. Yeah. And you all can check that out on the live stream. We have it on Facebook and our YouTube um, if you just go to marvel.com slash Thor Ragnarok premiere, uh, you can check it out there. Yeah. And there's like, you know, there's like those fun unplanned moments where there's some group interviews that weren't planned as group interviews because the people just decided to jump on together. Yeah. But that makes for like a really, you know, entertaining yeah. sort of sort of segment. So. And also Taika is a gem. <laughs> I was like, I just, you're so dapper, mm-hmm. and you're hilarious, and the movie's hilarious, and I can't wait for everyone to watch it. It's, it's oh, so fun, guys. The movie is so fun. But yeah, Taika being interviewed, and then Mark Ruffalo jumping on with him, and then Chris Hemsworth jumping on with both of them was just like a hysterical moment of like, you know, escalation, and then all three of them were selfieing together, and so yeah. And uh, for fans who were watching Mark Ruffalo's uh, live Periscope, you were treated treated so the first 10 minutes of audio of Thor Ragnarok because uh, Mark forgot to turn off his phone. He did. I liked his tweet the other day when he's like, hey Marvel, can I get my phone back? (laughs) But uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He was all got a a delightful treat and we can't predict uh, the Hulk's future with Marvel anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I think people are going to really dig this movie. It was uh, my wife, uh, uh, you know, she likes the Marvel movies in general, but I think she was like really entertained by this one. And so was I. There's, it's just, it's just very different. It has its own vibe. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for people to check it out. (laughs) Um, And, you know, a big component of this film is, of course, Hela. And of course, we're still deep into Halloween. Um, so this week, if you check out Marvel.com, we have an exclu- uh, interview with Kate Blanchett from our set visit last year, along with the Hella Futurette. Um, you know, just can't get enough of Kate. Lots of Kate. Yeah, she she is awesome. And uh, also Marvel Studios is partnering with Titan Publishing for the Thor Ragnarok, the official collector's edition behind the scenes book. It has exclusive cast interviews. It has concept art. And that's on sale November 7th in both softcover and hardcover editions. Uh, when I was a kid, being like a movie geek kid, I would always buy those tie-in books. And I love, you know, I love the ones that uh, get put out now as far as like the photography is usually really gorgeous. Yeah. And yeah, some really cool looks at uh, both the movie and behind the scenes stuff, the concept art, you know, and you kind of see how things got tweaked along the way. And then now heading over into the world of TV. Uh, we've got the fourth episode of Marvel's Inhumans uh, that is airing this weekend, Friday night at uh, 9 o'clock. Tonight. Uh, tonight. And uh, I don't know what day it is anymore, Christy. <laughs> um, it's all a blur. Um, we've got a sneak peek of that uh, where you can see Medusa very determined to find Black Bolt. And then uh, this was a fun thing we did at uh, New York Comic Con, actually, was the whole launch of Marvel HQ uh, that happened there. And Marvel Superhero Adventure Shorts have officially launched. Um, There's two of them on Marvel HQ, which is the new digital destination for kids and family entertainment. So you should check that out. Awesome. And then we also have uh, two brand new animated episodes this week on Disney XD 
for Marvel Spider-Man airing tomorrow, Saturday at 7.30 a.m. You'll see Blizzard stealing new tech and freezing uh, New York City. And, uh, of course, our little our, our precious Peter Parker was not prepared, so he has to upgrade his gear in order to stop Blizzard. Otherwise, New York will be put into a new Ice Age. <laughs> And then uh, in the world of Marvel's Avengers Secret Wars, it's airing Saturday at 8.30 a.m. We see that um, Vision and Wasp are heading to the future to save Falcon, who, for some reason, joined forces with Kang the Conqueror. So, you know, see all that action unfold. You know, stay tuned to Disney XD this weekend. Falcon, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, man? Um, I love when Spidey makes, like, special suits to battle villains. My yeah. my first Spider-Man comic as a kid happened to be an issue where he fought Electro and had to make, like, a special anti-Electro suit. So I'm always down for that. Uh, moving over to uh, theme parks and themed entertainment. Uh, Marvel Day at Sea uh, is getting underway this fall, and we have the last of our character profiles for that with Black Widow. Uh, and uh, she does, you can do like sort of a whole training. If for, if you're one of the younger people going on uh, Marvel Day at Sea, you can get a whole sort of training exercise with Black Widow. I believe part of it is uh, evading like a, a laser sort of uh, security de- uh, system, which is something I would always love to be able to do yeah. <laughs> just to say I can do it. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, there's there's so many he- Marvel heroes that are part of Marvel Day at Sea. So uh, there's, there's a formidable group there. Black Widow is one of them. And then... I think we did talk about a few weeks ago Guardians of the Galaxy Monsters After Dark, which is, you know, the sort of Halloween themed version of uh, the the ride at uh, Disneyland. But we've actually been able to put out a bit of the new video uh, that is a part of that when you were in the queue. Uh, it's it's really fun what they do because the whole sort of concept is that uh, everything everyone is broken out of the collector's collection, yeah. all the creatures. So there's a very ominous video that we have a, a bit of that you can check out at marvel.com or marvel's youtube showing uh, the madness underway has uh the collector's servants sort of try to act like everything is okay but it's not uh and by the way they don't show everything because you know you got to check it out in person because there's there's a really cool little um easter eggy cameo in that video if you've seen guardians volume two sort of the context of it is <laughs> is is extra special. So make sure, you know, to try to keep your eyes on the whole video when uh, when you're at Disneyland at California Adventure, if you can check out Monster Shots Dark. But you can get that preview right now. Awesome. And now in the world of games, um, also for Guardians, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series, Episode 4 is out now. So in the latest episode called Who Needs You, the team has overcome their, you know, like their really fractured and dysfunctional relationships and infighting to escape the sacred shrine alive. So, you know, players will help Star-Lord lead the team to safety while we get a more like in-depth look at Drax. You know, each episode really really connects with each of the different um, guardians. And this one is a very intimate look into Drax's life. And um, if you're into the new looks of everything, Funko just released a new set of Marvel Gameverse pop collectibles. So uh, Gamora, Rocket, Lila, and Hala the Accuser will appear in this set in collaboration with Telltale and Funko. Man, uh, Funko, those guys. <laughs> I try not to go insane getting everything they have, but they have a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> 
New York Comic Con it was, yeah, it was like my biggest purchase. Was uh, I mean, I was buying a couple things for you and Jen, but I I bought a lot at the Funko booth. Um, those Funkos, that Scrooge in the Money Pit. Scrooge in the Money Pit was great, but they had Vincent from the Black Hole. Uh, they had, um, you know, being the Disney Park uh, crazy person I am, the the uh, the Mr. Toad in his car, like the yeah. adorbs. So there's a lot of things there. Oh, I also got the, I got the orange bird. If you were a hardcore Disney Parks aficionado, you know who the orange bird is. Yeah, orange bird. And then I got the the. Um, I never. I always forget what his official name is. The Donald Snowman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for uh, Matterhorn, so I got him. Who, by the way, ties into Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Mission Breakout at California Adventure, yes. since there's a little uh, cameo there as well. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Funko, uh, stop making awesome stuff. No, no, don't. But <laughs> I just I have to control myself. I was at I was at a, a store in Westwood a few weeks ago that had a bunch of Funkos, including some ones that were discounted. And I, again, I tried not to get everything, but I got Jen or so. And I got Kelly Kapowski because <laughs> they had a couple of the same by the yeah. Bell ones. The fact that they, yeah, like the fact that you can get like you know, uh, there's Parks and Rec coming out. There's 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 a lot. Well, Jen showed me this morning that GameStop has an exclusive um, Spider-Man Homecoming mm-hmm. uh, Spider-Man one. So I was like, oh, I want this. But then I also saw that there's a Parker Pop with him and his Midtown. A sweater and a backpack, and I really want that one too. <laughs> <laughs> I did buy that Midtown T-shirt recently. The, the, yeah, the blue T-shirt. It's a must. I want it. Yeah. And then closing out the news um, in the battle realm, we have Morningstar, the ancient evil Iron Maiden. She comes in brandishing a blazing a bludgeon, and uh, she is not to be trifled with. <laughs> <laughs> blazing bludgeon is a very good use of alliteration. I yes. Must say. <laughs> And that's it for us. Next week, um, when I'm not under the weather, we will do our TWIM Ultimate Reading Club. Um, So, you know, you guys have an extra week to catch in. And if you want to tweet us your thoughts and your, you know, comments, just hashtag TWIMURC. And Eric and I will share it when we go over our thoughts on the series as well. And then I guess we'll just kick it back to New York. Farewell for now. Get better, Christine. <laughs> yeah, bye. Questions and comments. Questions and comments. Questions and comments from you. Questions and comments. Questions and comments. Questions and comments from you. All right, we're back. Wow. We're back. All that Mayor Fisk goodness. How could we? How would we? I'm. We learned a lot. Well, we are. Yeah. And we did. Yep. And we're going to. <laughs> Time for This Week in Marvel questions and comments. As always, you can uh, use the hashtag This Week in Marvel on Twitter. Uh, send us those tweets. And you can email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com. That's T-W-I-M-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at marvel.com. I always enjoy when we get some like weird business stuff mm-hmm. sent to that email address. I'm like, that's not, yeah. that's not happening. Um, all right. First one up is GM Pirad. Uh, GPD Santis says, this is why Gambit is the worst, has a picture of a Gambit cosplayer along with three other people who are, I don't know, cosplaying as some sort of characters from something else. What? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. It's like all these things that shouldn't exist. And then, uh, let's see, Jim Radloff says, nerd epiphany, MCU is like wrestling, weekly TV tapings, S.H.I.E.L.D., Carter, Inhumans, and occasional pay-per-views. Films. Sure. That's an interesting way to look at it. 
Yeah. Uh, first episode of The Gifted is amazing. I hope the show explains the weirdness with the post Days of Future Pre- uh, Days of Future Past X Men timeline. I wouldn't lean on it too much to explain things brought mm-hmm. up by the movies. Just enjoy it in its own little world. That's a fair thing to do. Yeah. 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 Cool do first that. episode though. Yeah, I, I have it, it on the DVR. I haven't yeah, had a chance same, with all the Comic Con stuff. Yeah, have not had a chance. Have you liked it, Tucker? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was. Cool. I think it was really great. I get all the scripts in, and I just need to sit down and start digging in everything. Yeah, yeah, cool effects, cool everything. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. cool. Lance Presley says you did. You all did this Twim URC. You talked about this cover for five minutes. Hashtag Punisher on a jet, jet ski shows a comic cover of Punisher on a jet ski with the <laughs> caption. You've just rented a jet ski to the Punisher. Kiss that baby goodbye. <laughs> Would you not want to spend uh, at least five minutes talking about that? Yeah. Ooh, this is a cool one. The next one uh, from them. If you want to know who the people were in the flashback in Captain Phasma number three, read the Phasma novel. Ooh. Has her whole history. Yeah. Neat. Very cool. Yeah, Tucker, nice read the blog. novel. Read the novel and then report back to us. All right. Yep. Yes, sir. Do it right now. <laughs> All right. Ref Gamblin says, happy fifth birthday to Horizon Labs. Wow, that's crazy. The official uh, This Week in Marvel fan club, I like to call them. Big love to all my fellow Lab Rats, the crew of This Week in Marvel, and of course, Dan Sloth. Of course, Dan Sloth. Of course, Dan Sloth. Robert at Captain Rogers 44 says, Generations of the Americas was the best of them all. It was so deep and poignant, poignant just top-notch. Thank you, Nick Spencer. Yeah, that was, the, that was the issue that felt very different. It was kind of really big, giant... Generations issue that I think mm-hmm. dug into some great stuff. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Robert. Mm-hmm. The story of Sam fighting in World War II alongside the Red Tails is just perfect. Loved his period look. This was a story I didn't know I needed to read, let alone want, especially in the end with the literal passing of the shield. Was tops. Ready to see where we're going from here with both Sam and Steve. Really enjoying Defenders by Brian Michael Bendis. It's a great read. Highly recommend to everyone. See? Told you. Everybody. Yeah, you told us, <laughs> You need man. to read. You told us. Uh, hearts... To Captain Marvel 9, great reading, as always, Margaret Stoll. Can't, really can't wait to see where we go with Legacy now, but I know, like Carol herself, it'll be higher, further, faster, more Captain Marvel and, Cap- and Carol Kors. Great point. Simon Williams says, uh, talking about uh, a situation that happened at New York Comic Con, and it's a shame, uh, some insults strung at a, a panel, but you know what? It's a shame that it happened in the first place. And Simon says, it shows that we still have a ways to go for diversity in comics and nerd culture in general. Uh, if this is the feeling of some comic shop owners, is it any wonder that um, some comics starring women, minorities, and or LGBT characters don't do as well as they could? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough when, you know, uh, these things happen. But hopefully we as a community can come together and, and keep pushing forward. Uh, Twim of the week for October 4th is Miles Morales number 21, Drunken Master References for the Win. That last page came out of left field. Uh, I love the Drunken Master movies. Have you ever seen those? Oh, boy, Tucker. No. Is nobody else a Jackie Chan fan here? I love Jackie Chan. Love Jackie Chan. Oof, oof. They are delights. I think Legend, the second one, the sequel, which occurs 20 years later, Mm. uh, but sort of timeline-wise takes place like, Two years later, it's really funny. Uh, that one is on Netflix. It's worth a watch. No, it's really good. Uh, reading Miles Morales number twenty-one. Last thing Genki needs is a laser sword. Everything in their dorm is going to get destroyed, as we see when he destroys the table and his laptop. Uh, reading Jessica Jones number thirteen. I don't normally want to see heroes kill, but Kill Kilgrave has it coming for what he did. Very 
that last page, man, oh man. Uh, Simon says, I can't believe they made a reference to Avengers number 200 in Jessica Jones number 13. That's regarded as one of the worst comics ever made. The fact that Carol referenced it so casually took me out of the comic for a minute. Uh, otherwise, it would have been my twin of the week. Uh, I hate to say it, but her appearances uh, between Civil War II and, and her appearances in Jessica Jones, uh, he's not. In, Simon is not into Brian writing Carol Danvers. One's entitled to their yeah. Uh, Simon continues saying, The scenes between Viv and Vision in Avengers 672 make me wish the Vision was an ongoing series or was getting a, se- uh, a squeakquel, as I would say, yeah. or a sequel. It's too <laughs> bad uh, Tom King retired from comics. It is too bad Tom King retired from yeah, comics. I'd so like to have him back. It's a darn shame. Yeah, you, what a waste. The tech lord, Lex Pendragon, says, If Nick Fury Jr. gets a heads-up display from the eye patch, can see fine with that eye and not need a patch? Question mark? Mm. Mm. There's, there's mm. some tech stuff happening there, right? I mean, maybe it's mm, maybe he's not getting the heads-up display from the patch. He's getting it in his other eye. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> more from more from the tech lord. Never read Welcome Back, Frank. Last time URC, but unlike this week in Marvel, I did like Thomas Jane's Punisher. Have to go read it. That's okay. Teach their own. Every, yeah, everybody's gonna hey, have their opinions. I, I still love Affleck Daredevil. I'm not go. backing off on that. <laughs> See, there you go. I still think it's the, it's the best. It's the definitive Daredevil. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let, let's not get crazy here. Uh, finish listening to all of new of this week in Marvel's New York Comic Con coverage. Wow, great stuff. I love the comic creator interviews. Dan Slott never disappoints. Thank you, Lex. So much for all. This week in Marvel just dropped another two hours of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, Christine uh, finished those up yesterday afternoon. Good so Lord. we just finished it up. Now I listen to all of them again. And the final wrap-up, I am caught up on This Week in Marvel again. Thanks for the podcast. They're great. Yeah. Uh, everybody else, let us know if you listen to those, if you like the format, if, uh, yeah. us dropping a lot of little ones, if you rather like – I don't know. However, yeah, very what's curi- the best way to do it yeah, I'm for very, listeners? I'm very curious what you guys thought of, like Ryan said, the the idea of doing kind of these little or smaller pod blasts, dropping a lot of them at once. Do you like listening to the short podcasts? I personally listen. love that style because like, yeah. if you give me 10 and for, for any show that I listen to, if there's like 10 episodes and, oh, I don't necessarily want to listen to those three, I don't have to mm-hmm. speed through a long two-hour one. I can just skip any that I don't want. But then I, I have – more visibility on stuff. It actually, for me as a listener, is something I'd want. But cool, curious to hear. Let's see what you guys ideas. say. Please let us know what you think. Yeah, and that's about it. That's it. Uh, remember, Twin URC next week. Death of Gene DeWolf. Please give Eric and Christine something to talk about. We don't need them left to their own <laughs> devices. You know, they should bring in um, Stephen Wacker. Oh wow! I bet, I bet Steve has opinions on the death of Gene DeWolf. All right, I could you, be compl- <laughs> Steve or Bill Roseman. I bet Someone. one of them would be a good person to talk to about that story you heard it here first folks i will pass that along to them just saying yeah cool all right this is marvel your pizza juice